With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. By Power, before the whole Chop, welcome to Feel on the Ground Radio. Shabba Boy. Boy, come get it in tonight. We do the right thing for the family tonight, and we're gonna get it in nice. You know what it is—a slaughterhouse Saturday. Feet on the ground, radio. Praise coming with the praises of the ancestors, praising that turn of glory to glory. Long of the spirit, Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad. Praise Harriet Tubman. Glory to Ida B. Wells. Long of the spirit, Sister Fanny Buhema. Black power. Ah, uh, going on out there tonight. And we're gonna have a nice show tonight. We're gonna get it in on. Uh, we're gonna be dealing with South Africa. We're gonna be dealing with the Zulus. The wars that the Zulus are fighting against the Angles down there, against the Dutch, the Boyers. Um, we're gonna get into the Calvinists, Low Cecil Wolves. And just a uh, total, just a, a, a basic overview of um, the political landscape in South Africa, uh, how it got to be to what it is right now, and how uh, some of the the uh, happenings of the that 19th century, 20th century helped helped shape. That, that late 19th century, early 20th century, how a lot of that helped shape the uh, functional world that we live in right now. Um, but yeah, family, that's what it's going to be tonight. You know, we're going to have a, a nice little show. So let's give me one moment. Let me get my chat room open. And then we can move on from there. One second, see who I got out there. All right, as I said, get it in nice to, tonight. Do it right for the family. We're going to make sure I get everything open. 
Hold on one moment. Get, to, get all this stuff in. As a matter of fact, what I am going to do, I'm going to hit us off with the RVG National Anthem. Give me one moment.
All right. All right, family. I got y'all out there now. Excuse me, but I'm, I'm ready. We rocking and rolling now. I got everything set correct. Got everything set up right. Now I'm ready to uh, ready to move. Get back into my chat room real quick. Now we're ready to move on with the with show. See here, reload this back up. Reload that. All right. 
All right, all right, all right. I'm I'm in here correct right now. Let me see. Uh, I don't know who the South Texas is right now. But I believe they lie open for the moment. We South Texas open. I'm going to start hitting on some of this information. Like I said, we're going to be dealing with the uh, Zulus. Uh, some of the, you know, some of the uh, warrior information. Uh, you know, one of the things that anytime you're talking about the Zulus, though, one of the one of the uh, main names that you're going to hear of is. Is the name of the mighty warrior, Shaka. You're going to hear that name. And, uh, the name Shaka, me, me, uh, son of a beetle. And so, you know, uh, Brother Shaka was the one who he read with his. Uh, restructuring of the military tactics in the army of the Zulus, he gave the Zulus uh, the fighting chance that a lot of native African armies didn't have against the European when they came in on their uh, mission of colonizing the entire continent. Excuse me, Shaka uh, was a warrior, still warrior, and as I stated, he changed what military tactics were about. And with his changing of military tactics, it, it as I said, gave the um, Zulus an upper hand on the, on the Europeans who came in for two reasons. One, it, they were um, tactically more sound, but secondly, Shaka put in them a, uh, oh, he reestablished a warrior type of spirit inside of them that was, uh, the spirit alone was, uh, was enough to defeat uh, the Caucasian who had come in at that time. And so, you know, Shaka was uh, born there. Approximately 1787, the the date of his passing on was uh, September 1828. His the actual uh, title that he was given as a as a youth was Shaka Kasin Zing Gakona. You know, he was born uh, in, in what we recall right now, he was born in KwaZulu, Natal Province. Uh, he was what one would consider, he was like the outcast child, you know what I mean, uh, when he came up. But he was, uh, and due to that, he was uh, moved from out of the home village that he was in, placed into another village where he grew up under the the wing of a um, another a general 
in the army, and up under this general, he became a very uh, skillful warrior. Um, the chieftain uh, who he was up under was uh, Diggin Swayo, uh, Swayo, and uh, he was a he was a chieftain, and and another smaller Zulu uh, territory. And as I said, up under up under him, he he grew to uh, great heights as a warrior, changing the fighting style um, from a fighting style of a more uh, ceremony type fighting style into a a direct conflict attack um, type of fighting style because it was a point in time that the Zulus, that the Africans, their their, uh, wars were more of, as I said, ceremonial type of wars with more of a showmanship type of quality to them, which did not lead to a lot of death nor destruction and the destroying of each other's lands and things of that nature and the destroying of, uh, you know, hundreds of lives. But with uh, Shaka, Shaka came in and changed that whole paradigm up. He changed the uh, he changed the fighting style, changed the spears, changed the type of shields, changed the formations. Uh, you know, he was uh, he was an innovator of his time. And with this change, though, the changes that he did, he utilized them to capture other smaller, you know, provinces. But with this, it grew the Zulu nation into a formidable uh, foe for the Euros when they came in. And if he had not changed the culture of how they looked at military, they would have succumbed to the same things that their brothers were succumbing to in other parts of the continent. Um, let me see. Hold up. Like power. So the command let's show up there. Black Power King, Black Power and the BB Forty to the family. Black Power BB Forty A. Uh, what's going on? I see our brother. I see our brother Little out there. Black Power BB Forty A. Black Power family was rough. Um, you know, it's Black Tastic over here on the east side. You know, just opening up a little bit. Just opening up, getting a little bit of general background. That's it on uh, on on the brother Soccer Zulu. You know, yeah, you setting the plate up. That, that's that's yeah, lovely, perfect. Um, let's see. Uh, some of the some of the things that went on in the brother's life, and really the personal the personal story of Shaka is something that I'm not really going to touch too much. I'm just going to really look more into his expansion of, um, you know, how he expanded his Zulu power and uh, um his his uh, great ability, as I say, 
um, formulating and creating a nation. And as as you will be able to, if you had a a map, we could take a map and look at the lower half of what would be Africa, and you know, which is labeled South Africa, and basically the uh, Zulus uh, ran the land that would be the south southeastern tip of Africa, the the most southern eastern part of. South Africa was the major stronghold of the Zulu lands, a, uh, and which was a, like I said, which was a small, a smaller empire comprised of hundreds of small, small tribes, but was um, redesigned to create a uh, a massive, powerful army that was the signature. Of how of of just African warriorhood, and because and and I say was the signature of African warriorhood because we have to look at their tech, technologically how uh, technologically advanced the European was in his weaponry, which should have made him uh, which which weapon would be wise made him superior, but the. Um, it was the African prowess of military of militarized strategy which caused us to be able to win and hold them off up out of South Africa for a very long time. Very long time. Let's see here. Uh, Shaka also, one of the other things that he did to to, uh, create a more warrior culture was Shaka implemented a a program where the youth as young as, you know, six, seven years old were automatically placed inside of um, military type of uh, uh, instruction, being trained as warriors. You know what I mean? At the early age of six, seven, eight years old, and what this did was it it brought about a warrior culture, and we look at that because those are the ideal tactics that now in 2015 we have to look back and start to reexamine if they would be good for us. These type of tactics. That's the main reason that we're going over this Zulu, the um, Zulu machine, and as I said, we'd be dealing from that. The 19th century, uh, really about mid-19th century, even though our brother Shaka was late 18th century, he was born 1787, 1787, and he was assassinated 1828. He was assassinated. And he was assassinated by his half-brother in a fight for power. Um, I'm gonna go to this uh, matter of fact, though. But I did want to read something to you. I didn't want to just freestyle something. I'm gonna read this real quick. Uh, 
it's just a little piece where they spoke on uh, soccer, uh, his revolutionary warfare style. Uh, combined with Shaka's Buffalo Horn attack formation for surrounding and annihilating enemy forces, the Zulu combination of the Kikwa and Shield, similar to the Roman legionnaires, use of gladius and scotum was devastating. By the time of Shaka's assassination, uh, they, they say assassination too, in 1828, they had made the Zulu kingdom the greatest power in southern Africa and a force to be reckoned with even against Britain's modern army in 1879. Much uh, controversy still surrounds the character, methods, and activities of the Zulu king. From a military standpoint, the story of John Keegan notes um, notes that there are exaggerations and myths that surround Shaka, but nevertheless maintains that the Fanciful commentator scores him Shaka, the Black Napoleon, and allowing for different societies and customs, the comparison is appropriate. Shaka is without doubt the greatest commander to come out of Africa. And and then you know this was uh, this was said about the about the brother because of you know as we said because of his ability to fight off the British, and not only fight off the British during his own time where, you know, he had his own skirmishes, but to have a legacy that when the uh, attack came on in full onslaught again, or 50 years after his demise, those tactics were still uh, great enough to hold the crackers off again. I just like to add, brother, be uh, geared to do uh, the modern day conditioning that you see uh, soldiers go through. Mm-hmm. All right, Shaka introduced that and took off the sandal, roll barefooted uh, in a hot ass sun on a fifty mile motherfucking run, fifty miles. Them niggas used to they used to run fast as a horse. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So so the tactics that you see now, military using uh the Green Beret and all that show them hardcore units. That's shocking shit. Uh, those, sure. those who are shocking tactics, black power. Black power. And as you and you know, as you said, they they just that um the basics of, of what you're saying though is, is very true when you're dealing with um modern military tactics um being conditioning and the mind state. Because that was one of the things that Shaka changed with inside of the military was the mind state of the men. Uh, and as we were speaking, because war in that area at that point in time was not dealing with a war that was a bloody, vicious, violent war where you know a lot of people were murdered. But what he he did, he changed the mind state of that. This is the way that wars have to be won. And, and as I said, if he had not changed that mind state. Of the people changed the uh, changed the conditioning of the Africans who was around them and changed they would not have been ready to deal with the European and his uh, and his um in uh, his um war machine and military That's tactics. Right. And, and this to this to go with that, just cherry on top. When he when he first took the throne, he had two thousand, two thousand 
Nigga, when he was done, he had 20,000. Okay? Up to 20,000. Like, like, you got, man, you, that, you ain't talking about no bitch-ass soldiers. You're talking about full-time duty, hardcore motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now, that, that that's some general shit. That's worthy to be praised. No, obviously, obviously the rest of the Zulus felt that shit go from twenty two thousand to twenty five. Because it was the basic, it was the basic uh, system that we have now. Get down or lay down. Yeah, Shaka was about that life. He was the enforcer of that. You know what I mean? Because he could do it too. So he gonna expect you to do it. Exactly. No excuses. That was, that was the thing that he. He developed it, though, because he had put himself through the strains of training in that mannerism. So once he had put himself through it, that was, that's the way a good general was able to pass those lessons on, or those lessons that he had learned personally in his own self that would make that's him a better warrior. That's the best way to teach, though, right? That's the best way to teach is to show him, show him, do it. Yeah, show him proof through experience. Um, Black Power, what's going on tonight out there, Sue, and how are you tonight? So I say Black Power to the Sutub. I'm just listening. Black Power. Black Power. I said, you know, I just want to throw a little a little overview on and then, you know, the family can the family can take off in it and I'll and I'll hit off a couple of different definitions and stuff like that. Things that was going on during the during the time, make sure that I go the back in with a couple of good dates. Yeah, if I can get my shit up. Well, uh, family, um, I got my information on Shaka tonight. Thanks to Brother Little, um, watching Doctor Clark. I had watched some the the series up to episode eight, and uh, another two hour joint. But Doctor Clark um, was so real that I um, had to, you know, um, document. Um, the information he was sitting me with. And um, one of the things that he um, brought up, uh, like um, his mother, um, Nida, you know, um, was seeking a friend, um, seeking the friendship of the son of the King Jobay. His son was called... um, this way, way off, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, which means the wanderer, and um, him and his father, uh, King Jobe, who um, comes from the mother's uh, tribe, who um, was large and the Zulu came under the um, Imtawa uh, tribe. Um, got into an argument with his father, so he wandered to the coast. And, you know, he was living amongst the whites that was there at the time, and he noticed that the whites were, um, when they were fighting amongst themselves, they would run into a straight line, which caused them to get quicker. So he comes back to Zululand and shares this information with Shaka. And him and Shaka uh, revolutionized Zulu warfare and introduced the concept 
um, in warfare that is still existent, still exists today, known as the broken running field, which means, you know, you're running zigzag when somebody's shooting at you or, or, or you know, trying to get at you to reduce to reduce the odds of being hit. Uh-huh, I say, wipe like out. Hmm. I see. Yeah. yeah, it was fascinating, you know. According to Dr. Clark, uh, the Zulus did not start in South Africa or Southern Africa, you know. Um, he says that the Zulu once lived on the coast, the eastern coast of Africa before they um, were called Zulu. They were known as the Ngunu. Um, and the Ngunu is a group that is still inside of the Zulus to this day. You know, mm-hmm. and, um, this group, um, you know, he brought up the Arab writer who I can't think of right now that wrote the book, um, The Golden Meadows. Um, and he said, you know, that was due to um, Islamic and the Islamic slave trade that was occurring. And, you know, um, it caused them to move inland, you know, and they moved to the Congo Basin. And um, when they came to the Congo Basin, you know, they had a family member that was, uh, members, Africans that was there, the Bashango and the Kuba people, who, you know, they got along with beautifully at the end of the day, but I know they're African. And that um, that space got too crowded, so that caused them to move um, to the uh, open landmass further to the south. And the, the group added the um, AMA, AMA, to their um as a prefix to their name, you know what I'm saying? So they became uh, the Amazulu, and that um, the other group, still a part of the Zulu nation per se, because, again, we all want family, added the Ba to their name, you know. And uh, you got the Ba Longos, for an example, you know. And um, he also, that part is fascinating. You know, he mentioned that we need to definitely get into the, uh, in the African migration that we have. But one of the other things that was dope is that, you know, in the movie they make it seem like Shaka, um, uh, Troop, or, or the um, African warriors only, you know, they had one regiment, but he said that's not true. The Zulus fought in the three-regiment formation, White mm-hmm. Shield, Brown Shield, and Black Shield. You know, the White Shield being the trainees, whose job was to... Um, you know, hit the enemy and get the hell out of the way. Let them know the war is popping. The brown shield was to come in and finish it if they could. And then if they couldn't, the black shield, which was the Zulu elite guard, uh, once they entered the battle, it was on a pop, and they had to win or die. And they were specially trained. Uh, they, they had special beer brew made for them, and also special women were trained to marry them. They were the only branch of the Zulu war group permitted to marry. And we all know the reason for that, because you want to make sure you're building the strongest out there. I think that's a beautiful thing that needs to be incorporated, which we talked about. You know, like only the real warriors should be able to impregnate a sister, plain and simple. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And another thing, King, he brought up, which you hear, which I heard from boxes, is that um, days before uh, the war battle, Shaka, um, 
isolated the men from the women. He said that warfare is passion, the dispensing of passion, and so is sex. If you lose, if you um you um dispense that passion in the bedroom, then you wouldn't have it for the battlefield. And that's something that go on today, as we know with boxes, for example. Black power. Black power. The queen, the queen got eyes, boy. No, and hit this small tool. We see the. Uh... You know, and, and you said twenty thousand from from and brother brother little from what I was saying, it was like shit. He probably he had close to uh, almost fifty thousand warriors that he could call up at one time. And in fact, I have to pull. I got an yeah. e. I got an e book. I got an e book. It was shorter for me. I'm quoting the right name on my e book. I said that you know, soccer could pull up. That the nation had grew to, uh, you know, two hundred thousand. You know what I mean? Um, let me let me pull my ebook. Uh, and about fifty thousand warriors they can pull up ASAP. You know what I'm saying? At ASAP, as soon as he made the call, it was on and popping. You know what I mean? So that was that was um, that's something that you know, I, even if it was twenty thousand. But to have that uh, at that point in time during that during that day dating time, right? Without the use of a lot of uh, no no papers, he's not writing nothing down because he wasn't writing stuff down. Shaka had the system so thorough that listen, man, when I give you a message, you deliver the message correct, man, or you're gonna die. That's the bottom line. There's no other. We we're not gonna deal with this. No other way. Either either uh, correctly get the message that I gave you to give, or you're gonna give your life. And this is how he he passed on orders and they passed on information to each other, you know. And to and to be able to just use uh, word of mouth, you know, mouth to ear to uh, keep that many subjects in line, you know, that right there is is another is a, another feat. Of um, greatness to be marveled at at this day and time. Okay. Yep, yep. That 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 shows great power. You know that that's equivalent to that that scene on the Malcolm X movie when he went when Malcolm was in front of the police station and moved his hand. I said, that's too much power for one nigga to have. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashea, according to Dr. Clark's lecture, uh, this is about at the 5026 mark, he says that Shaka never fought the whites. 
Shaka for other blacks in order to bring them into a Zulu, Zulu Federation to save Southern Africa from mm-hmm. European domination. And, that's uh-huh. important because that movie tries to make it seem like he's a monster, uh, the same way they did Eddie. I mean, you know, like oh, he's just warring with uh, his people for no reason. You know, he's a bloodthirsty killer. No, he was doing. He was bringing unification about because he knew what was at the shore awaiting our people, you know, and he knew this from that son, uh, from the king's son, Joe Bay, who peeped them out and came back with the information on how they was getting down. Yeah, didn't Dr. Clark say uh, he had told them that too when they assassinated him? Oh, he he go in um, when the brothers assassinate him. He said, you know, when they enter the tent, well, you know, um, let me back it up a little bit that, you know, it came about because Shaka, our mother, um, Nida had died and he had, you know, put all of these creeds out. And one of the creeds that was a turning point was when he said that there could be no cohabitation for a year. And so the, even though this was a patriarchal society, the old ladies uh, took over and said that Shaka was crazy, that he had forbid, forbidden life itself. We will not survive as a Zulu nation unless we bring forth life into the world. And so um, the old women of the council ordered his ceremonial death, not his assassination, but it's a ceremonial death for the good of the Zulus. They said he is royalty. Only royal hands will touch him. They chose his two half-brothers to do the job. When they entered the tent, he would say, you think by killing me you will be king. You will be the bondsman and the slave. Whites are waiting like ants to take over this country. In the second cry, when they hit him, you know, tapped him up again, he reminded them that you... um have called me many things, saint, tyrant, God, and devil. To some extent, I am all of these things, but I am something else you need to remember. I am the greatest hope you have from freedom from the European rule, um, from the European rule of this country. And with the last blow, according to Dr. Clark, he looked at them with pity and said, Oh, what have I done to you, sons of my fathers? And, you know, um, the Zulus appointed uh, the assassin, his half-brother, Dingong, uh, to take over. See, he's a prophet. But he chuckles very intelligent, man. Highly, highly, highly intelligent. I like how, uh, you know, how the movie show, you know, how he he be smacking them up with their own words in the Bible and shit. You know what I'm saying? But yes, I can deal with all this shit we dealing with right now. You know, they was they were they were they were snatching niggas left and right when he was on when he, when he was alive. You feel me? 
So he, he was fully aware of what was happening. You know what I mean? Uh, like you were saying, you know, he was aware of the fact that without the unity, that we would be able to see no victory against the enemy that was outside of us. You know, we can deal with each other. We could deal with each other as enemies because we're not going. We only going to take it to a certain point. But now we dealing with an enemy who's going to take it beyond where we ever took it before. So now I got to take y'all to that point to let y'all see that this is what it is. And, and 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 build and forge the unity instead of just building a bond. We got to forge the unity through this blood, sweat, and tears that we're gonna have to go through. And and even even in, even after his death, though, what he brought forward, even with even with his um half brothers and them becoming the king, and then all the way up into uh, when the war in eighteen seventy nine popped off, they still were. They still were militarily sound off of his teaching, but without his his heart, you know, sometimes you need the words said by a certain person in order for them to resonate in you the right way. And so he had that conviction. You know, the same type of thing that we hear, you know, when you hear uh, the, the general, Baba Khalid Abdul Muhammad, when you hear him, you know, there's a, there's a certain resonation. You know what I'm saying? It goes through just his character alone. You know what I mean? It brings you to a point of greatness. So, you know, that's what that was what was missing with the death of Shaka. It seemed to me anyway. But the 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 main the main Opponent will, will, will be will be the uh, the, the Dutch motherfuckers. See me? Ask Dutchy on the left hand side. The Boers, yeah. the Trekkers. Yeah, the Boers who came in and just tried to just set up and try to land. Because oh, you know, they still there to this very day. They, they bring the beers. With the, the the beers hired out Cecil Rhodes and then Cecil you know Rose, what I mean? yeah 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 all right, so with, on with, that. with the fall of Shaka that 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 ushered in all that shit you see what I'm mm-hmm. saying ushered in all that nobody was strong enough and intelligent enough to uh you know fuck with this cracker like the queen was talking about earlier they word what you talking about queen oh you breaking it down. Old frivolly re-reads, fucking tricking you with words and shit, man. They wordplay, man, and you know what I mean. And shit, they fork tongue. And, and when we say boys, I mean I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and put this in. I got that Encyclopedia Britannica already rocked up to it, so people know who the boys is. Um, the boys, the Dutch husbandmen or farmer, southern, a southern African of Dutch German or Huguenot descent, especially one of the early settlers of the Transville and Orange Free State. Today, descendants of the Boers are commonly referred to as Afrikaners. Hold on one second, family, because I got to see what this says. One second. I got to see what it is. 
So so that's why I don't like that black African power shit. You're giving credence to these motherfuckers. Like it's a different yeah. African. Like it's a white African also. Or, or, or fucking A-Rat. Yep. Uh, and the Huguenots are any of the... I just want to put this in for people who might not know what the Huguenots was. And I had to go to make sure to be sure. But the Huguenots are any of the Protestants in France in the 16th and 17th century. Okay. So they French yeah. Protestants. The Huguenots are French Protestants. Okay, uh, they're the Frenchies. All right, and the Boers are the, is the Calvinists. I, I, not I not the Boers. Now, this is now the Boers are a whole are a conglomerate. That's what they're saying. Is the southern uh, the Boers are Southern Africans who are Dutch, German, or Huguenot descent. So are they all group. Oh, okay, together. okay, okay. They all yeah. so they all peck the same peck of wood. Mm-hmm. Especially one of the early settlers of the Transvaal and Orange Free in the Orange Free State. Oh, all right, all right, okay, yep. You know what I'm saying? And that's the you know the Orange Free State. They have you know that's in South Africa. Um, right. That's the fact. I'm I'm opening it up. Let me let me look at this. All right, it's um. It's a province of the Union in South Africa. It, it became a province of the Union in South Africa in 1910. So this is just giving a, a general overview, but they was already there. Yeah, they was already there. The, yeah, they was already there. It didn't become a province of the Union until that date. So they already existed. Yeah. yeah. But, but they was colonialists there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Under, under the guise of trade. See, see, those are the first jewelers that Dr. Clark when you talk about, if y'all remember that lecture. You see what I'm saying? See, just the jump-off point right here. This is how the shit got, 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 got brought to life, got Frankenstein. Phil? Mm-hmm. Now, uh, let me go. In 1652, we're back to the Boyers. Um, Today, um, descendants of the Boyers are com- commonly known as Afrikaners. In 1652, the Dutch East Indian India Company charged John Van Rybeck with establishing a shipping station on the Cape of Good Hope. Immigration was encouraged for many years, and in 1707, the European population of Cape Colony stood at 1,779 individuals. For the most part, modern Afrikaners have descended from this group. The Dutch colony prospered to the extent that the Cape Town market for agricultural produce became glut, glutted with the market stagnation and with slaves providing most of the manual labor in the colony. There were few economic opportunities for the burgeoning white population. Eventually, more than half of these people turned to the self-sufficient life of the Trek Boren, literally wandering farmers, but but um, perhaps better translated as dispersed ranchers. The Boyers were hostile towards indigenous African peoples with whom they fought frequent range wars and towards the government of the Cape, which was attempting to control war movements and commerce. The overtly compared their way of life to that of Hebrew patri- patriarchs of the Bible, developing independent patriarchal communities based upon a mobile pastoralist economy, staunch Calvinists, they saw themselves as the children of God in the wilderness, 
the Christian elect divinely ordained to rule the land and the backward natives therein. By the end of the 18th century, the cultural link between the boyars and their urban counterparts were diminishing, although both groups continued to speak Afrikaans. And they spelled that A-F-R-I-K-A-A-N-S, a language that had evolved from the admixture of Dutch, indigenous African, and other languages. In other languages, the Cape Colony became a British possession in 1806 as a result of the Napoleonic Wars. Though at first accepting of the new colonial administration, the Boyers soon grew disgruntled with the liberal policies of the British, especially in regard to the frontier and freeing of slaves between 1835 and 1843. About 12,000 Boyers left the Cape in a great trek, headed to heading for the relatively rural spaces of the High Veld and Southern Natal. In 1852, the British government agreed to recognize the independence of the settlers in the Transvaal, um, now known as the South African Republic, and in 1854s of those of the vile Orange River areas, um, now known as the Orange Free State. These are later known as the Orange Free State. These new republics committed themselves to apartheid, a policy of strict segregation and discrimination. In 1867, right, the discovery of diamonds and gold in Southern Africa set the stage for the Southern African War, 1899 to 1902. The conflict had its origins in British claims of suzerainty over the wealthy South African Republic and in British concern over the border of refusal to grant civic rights to the so-called Uthlanders, immigrants largely British to the Transvaal gold fields and diamond mines. Supported by the Orange Free State and some of the Cape Dutch, the South African Republic waged war against the British Empire for more than two years. Though brilliant practitioners of guerrilla warfare, the Boers eventually surrendered to British forces in 1902, thus ending the independent existence of the Boer Republic. All right, I don't Um... Uh, let's say this, Afrikaners in the 21st century made up about 60% of the white population of South Africa, approximately 2.6 million. And that, and that right there is from uh, this, this is from Encyclopedia Britannica Online. I say, I say, see, so, see, see, that after, see, everything, it, it ain't that old, man. It ain't that long, man. You know what I mean? That, that That's why they behavior is this way. I ain't never seen no shit like that. This ain't, this is, you know, this is new. You know? What happens when you get something new? You, you play with it all the fucking time. As soon as it start getting old, you get other shit. You know, you don't be tripping off that shit no more, huh? Hmm. Hmm. See, that's why that's why money's driving the cracker crazy. Motherfucker ain't never had none. Ain't had no nothing. No nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Nah, as long as they seen that it was something there, like you said, they went straight to war. Man, they go they go crazy like they hit some catnip or some shit. 
You feel me? That's why they were snatching niggas left and right, you know, right and left. God damn, come do this to me, nigga. Then all of a sudden they start getting castles and shit and, you know, windows, shoes. Hmm. Hmm. Well, the white man know about gator shoes. You feel me? Now, 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 now he on fashion. Hmm. But this was where the Calvinists came from. And one of the um, interesting things is like the over the is one of the things that they said in this um, this article right here from the Encyclopedia Britannica is that the over, they overtly compared their way of life to that of the Hebrew patriarchs of the Bible. Now, this is this is what I'll be saying about you know when we have our family. Say that well, look, there were there were Africans who were on the coast of Africa who were practicing these religions before they came over, and I'm like, nah, it was crackers over there practicing that and whooping our and whooping on us, and they'd catch you, and then if they if you was around them long enough, you was practicing that because their job was to be missionaries to spread the goddamn word on you heathens like they're supposed to or just subject you to slavery or do both. You're going to say shit, it's all the above. And our brother, um, I'm going to put, put in this thing, I'm gonna, because we talk about the Calvinism, like I said, I got a bunch of a couple different key terms and definitions already pulled up. Well, we are, we're going to put uh, put this information in real quick about um, what Calvinism is and where it came from. Calvinism is uh, the theology advanced by John Calvin, Protestant reformer in the 16th century. You know what? Um, all right, in the 16th century, and his, and his development by his followers. The term also refers to doctrines and practices derived from the works of Calvin and his followers that are characteristics of the Reformed churches. While Lutheranism was largely confined to parts of Germany and Scandinavia, Calvinism spread into England, Scotland, France, the Netherlands, English-speaking colonies of North America and parts of Germany and Central Europe. This expansion began during Calvin's lifetime and was encouraged by him. Religious refugees poured into Geneva, especially from France during the 1550s. Uh, it's a larger sect on this, but I'm going to put this in real quick. The five points of Calvinism. And, um, they, they go, one, total depravity, original sin. And um, I don't want to read all. I don't want to read all of this shit. They put a bunch of like, this shit is. I want, matter of fact, I'm a. What I'm is a, go ahead. What is a Calvinist? Yeah, go back to it. We'll, we'll produce them. Go back. Sixteenth century, reform, yeah. Martin Lutheran. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Yeah. 
just just focus on reform. What type oh. of reform are they talking about? Oh, there you go. You said you said they 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 postured themselves like Hebrew shepherds as being what pastoralists, right? Mm-hmm. What type of reform are we talking about? Looking over lesser breeds. That's a quick rundown. So they have the right to go anywhere on the planet and dominate the natives if they can justify that they are lesser breeds. This is this is this the one this Calvin Calvinism one on one. To give you a, a nice visualization, you remember when Ice Cube made that movie Dangerous Grounds? You remember Blood Diamond when uh, 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 Leonardo DiCaprio, he was Afrikaner. When they called mm-hmm. niggas Kephas, those are Afrikaners. Uh-huh. I hate Afrikaners. You're talking about Dutch Afrikaners. How did they get to Africa? The Dutch East Indian Trade Company. Trade they company. got to South Africa on accident. Trying to get to the New World. Don't yeah. know that it's a current that flow from West Africa that take you all the way to South Africa. But when you look at the coast of England, somebody pull up a map, look at the coast of England and Spain. There's a current that flows from the the, 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 the tip of South America and goes it brings warm water all the way up to England and the Neverland. And that's why it don't snow in England. It only snow in the highlands because they get that warm water. It reverses itself. It comes right back down. These crackers during the 16th century was trying to get to America during the New World and accidentally found the tip of South Africa. And that's a... um excellent point that you made is that, you know, on Reformation is that their thought was and still is that their job is to change or control anything that they can find that they that they can deem under their doctrine as a lesser being. And a very excellent point. article though my Encyclopedia Botanica article is shutting me out. They're trying to make me uh, when we talk about Calvinist Dutch we're talking really about cousins of Leopold. Germans and Dutch have <laughs> their relationships. Dutch, German and Jews. Remember that. Dutch, German and Jews. That's the connection. Dutch, Germans, and Jews. When you look at uh, 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 these wood shoe worm motherfuckers, <laughs> when they got, when they did some of the worst practices of genocide because they come from that same stock Leopold came from. They 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 punish they punish koi koi. Uh, 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 for speaking, you know, their language. That shit you hear them speaking now, it got a little clicks in it, but it, it's a new, I can't think of the name of it, you just said it earlier. It's mixed. 
and, and if you hear it, it has a strong like German overtone. You can hear like you can hear the German connection. Niggas talk about linguists. You can hear the strong German connection in Portuguese as well. They all have a connection. Portuguese, Jews, Dutch, Germans, Belgium. Dutch, German Jews, Dutch, German Jews. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Now, now, I was just saying you could throw in the Belgians too, because that's that's Leopold people. They all right here together. Yeah, Belgium's in Dutch, right? It's mm-hmm. complicated. It's it, it's real touchy in terms of politics and geography when you determine it. Berlin, yeah. the Berlin Wall is in where? They got two yeah, everything before they yeah. failed, didn't they? Yeah. According to uh, of what Professor William Mackey, this shows you the split between Ashkenazim and Sephardim Jews all the way to that period. He cited he cited he cited. Uh, 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 the Dutch as in Germany as being his president. You know, his story. I got to show you a fact. He, he said he cited that as his fact. He said, "Can I prove it?" Yes. He said, "Look, look, you did." He said, "They never taught us in school the significance of the Berlin Wall falling." <laughs> imagine, imagine in America if we had if if it was so divided that we had two major Democratic parties and two major Republican parties and we had two presidents and two vice presidents. Mm-hmm. That's the significance of how that shit was over there. They were so divided on that line there. Two parliaments, everything. Two everything. Mm-hmm. Two mayor, two elephants. Right. Two synagogues. This is where the shit really started off from because they didn't want to worship more next to one another. One the Dutch are the spawns of this because <laughs> these are this is this is the waste matter of Europe. This is the extrament of Europe in terms of how the fuck they even got to the New World. Remember, most crackers that were going to the New World had nothing in the old world. And they're Christians. So all they're doing is exercising the same oppression that they was experiencing in Europe now in Africa being free under the guise of being settlers. <laughs> yeah, and 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 um, I want I'm gonna put this in because when you asked about Calvinism, they got a little they got a little saying called tulip, right? That they use, which describes the five major points inside of Calvinism. And that was the first one I, I went to with total depravity, but I didn't want to use that saying because they they just drug drug it out too far. But tulip, this usually stands for total depravity. This it's often mistaken to mean that humans are all hopelessly, intensely sinful. Actually, it means something quite different. As a result of Adam and Eve's disobedience to God, the fall of man, sin has extended to all parts of every person's being, his thinking, his emotion, and his will. Sometimes this has been called total inability. This is the concept that is that it is impossible for the ordinary natural human to understand the gospel's message. They are spiritually hopelessly hopeless. First, God must first decide to intervene in the form of the third personality within the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, the person is lost forever. Yeah. And they back that up by a couple of different um, verses. They use Romans 5 and 12, Mark 4 and 11. They back that shit up. Um, I really don't want to read that shit unless the people... Uh, why not? 
Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Oh, yeah, 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 this needs to be read. Mark 4 and 11, He said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. And basically, you know, um, Basically, what they're saying is, look, man, you you fucked up no matter what. You already hit, you know, and um, so there's nothing that you can do because sin is already in the world and it's on everybody. So, no matter what you think, no matter how you feel, no matter what you strive to do, sin already is sitting there waiting in line. So this puts you already in a situation. To, to have to be performed early with uh, you. The use, this stands for unconditional election. This is the concept of predestination, that God has divided humanity into two groups. One group is the elected. It includes all those whom God has chosen to make knowledgeable about himself. The rest will remain ignorant of God and the gospel. They are damned and will spend eternity in hell without any hope of mercy or cessation of extreme tortures God made this election before the universe was created and thus before any humans existed. The ground of ground that God uses to select the lucky few is unknown. What is known is that it is not through any good works on the part of the individual. It is not that he extends knowledge to some in order to find out who accepts salvation and who will not. This is the degree of tensions within the Bible concerning precise division of responsibility between God and humans on this matter. The Bible does not resolve this issue. Hyper-Calvinists believe that a person go has... Go back to that, go back to that, that, that beginning part you read. Right. That, that, that beginning part you read is apartheid. They had apartheid system in place before the word came in place because, like, back when we were just discussing previous, if the, the current state of... Uh, I'm trying to give you a context on what the fuck I'm talking about. Did to set you up for how, how Shaka came with the whole, you know, what produced Shaka. The same dualism of governments that I was talking about, imagine if America had two presidents, two Democratic, you know, two two uh, candidates for each party that had solid office, like I gave earlier. You have two presidents instead of one. So you have four candidates in all, right? This dualism. This is what this is what the mentality that went into Calvinists as soon as they came to South Africa. That's the first thing they set up: division. Boom. They put it in place before. Well, well, I'm not gonna put it. I'm not gonna go that far because they all it all seemed to correlate around the same little era. That's how I know them niggas was all talking around the same time that the Australians put the same shit about calling them Abor. They had to find titles for them first. Aborigines got the same tune about Australian. The uh, uh, um, Calvinists was calling the uh, uh, South Africans uh, Catholics and, and giving them a certain title as well. This before practice was doing this in America. You see what I'm saying? So go back, go back to that part you read earlier when it said that God is going to be those who follow God and that's those that's going to be ignorant. That part again? Yeah. All right. This is the concept of predestination, that God has divided humanity into two groups. One group is the elected. It includes all of those whom God has chosen to make knowledgeable about himself. 
The rest will remain ignorant of God and the gospel. They are damned and will spend eternity in hell without any hope of mercy or cessation of extreme tortures. That's Calvinism. That's all you need to know. That's Calvinism. Everything else is giving you the the rationale for why they can do this, and they're going to cite verses in the Bible, different sections of the Bible, and they're going to go into contentions, and they're going to give you an example. But that's the that's the premise of Calvinism right there. Is read it again, Brother Boy. I'm gonna go back to it, but you got to hear the rest of this. You got to hear the rest of this tulip because you. It, oh, this is a, a, amazing here. That's a, that's a new political faction that's trying to combat Calvinism. That's really being supported by Calvinism. I know what you're reading from. Yeah. So, um, we read it though. Read it. Read it. Just, I'm gonna just read, read it. Understand the context. If you understand the background. Go ahead. Um, this is the concept of predestination that God has divided humanity into two groups. One group is the elected and includes all those whom God has chosen to make knowledgeable about himself. The rest will remain ignorant of God and the gospel. They are damned and will spend eternity in hell without any hope of mercy or cessation of extreme tortures. So, no matter what, you, look, man, God would have chose you already if you were to be chosen. So as soon as he ain't chosen you already, you ain't even chosen to be chosen. Maybe you chose for hell. Hey, man, you're already in hell, and I'm doing your favor by offering you a cold, a cold glass of water, buddy. <laughs> cold glass of vinegar. So you should be taking this whip to the back with a smile, really. I'm yeah. actually going home. Well, I'm 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 taking a light on you, giving your your destiny. Remember, remember Thursday, the Korean, he put it out there that in order to make this shit a reality, they have to give you this idea of an eternal soul, and that you should seek out your true reward in that life, and abolish everything in this one. That's the rationale. Because what you say? That God divided humanity into two parties, right? Mm-hmm. This is coming out the psyche of... Go ahead. That's just crazy right there. That's Calvinism, though. I, no, and, I want, and the and, reason I want to read the rest of... Oh, go ahead, Sister Camille. Not Cam, I was going to say, it also reminds me of the lie of the uh, Jew, right? The chosen <laughs> and the Gentile. Mhm. No, I, I I wanted to say yo, I wanted to read the rest because it sounds like the shit that they be saying from the ISU. Hey, it sounds like Hebrew Israelites. I just wanted to read it because this the Hebrew Israelite says. This, this, uh, theme in the Bible. That's the yeah. whole theme of the Bible that 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 the that the chosen few, that God has a chosen few out of humanity that He's gonna save the. The whole witnesses say that God only going to save 144,000 of humanity. You know, this is the rhetoric of it. And then you, when you see those who put it in place, all they do is change the title in, to fit their political and social agenda. And most of the time, it's the most corrupt people doing it. So, so it's so it's the, the the program is so much the same that 
a Korean psychologist broke that shit down so eloquently on how they use it worldwide. It has to be, you know what I'm saying, he's a sadokist, masochist, you know. This 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 is the division, like Sister Camille was speaking earlier, that the Zulu normally didn't reign in South Africa. These are true pastoralists, as are the Khoikhoi. There, when you look at their migration patterns, we talk about migration patterns from the south tip of Africa going into Nubia, uh, uh, all the way sometimes into Uganda, mm-hmm. and back to South Africa. So these people, they when you look at them linguistically, by the classifications, they group them all in one language group because they know because of the traveling. But they distinctively have uh, uh, different language categories that needs to be recognized. Even uh, Chancellor Williams put that in his book. He made in, in his diagnosis, he said in his preview, he says that, you know, he gives you the context. He spent two years in studying Africa. He said that when he went there, it was over 100, I, mean, I want to get it right, but over 150 languages spoken, but it was a, it was a uniformitarian. The connection was women. If Cleopatra in her late days spoke nine languages, imagine what the typical African woman spoke. The, the, the typical African woman now speaks over three different, four different languages. The best linguists are women. There's something that's been always been recognized, even Nigerians to this day. The marketplace has always been the center of women, trade for women. So now, now we got what the now now we define what the. Um, the Calvinist is. Now we know the Zulu. Now we now, now niggas can get to the contention that produced what we know as one of the greatest events in African history in terms of how to deal with the enemy. My opinion, shocking from what I study, because ain't no one book on these motherfucking as Dr. Clark states. Ain't no one book on Zulu. Ain't no be no one movie you can watch. You just had to read about twenty books to get a thorough understanding of what a Zulu was. What South Africa was, what the Calvinists was, what the history of that area was, and then how the politics produced itself. Ain't gonna be no one source for that. But in my opinion, Chaka Zulu, he made his assessment of seeing the collective politics of Europeans. When the English moved in, he seen. I mean, we talk English now. If a motherfucker came up talking that Dutch shit, those are two two distinctive tongues. Eddie had different uniform. He's seen that these motherfuckers had a collective idea that went beyond their language <laughs> in terms of how to deal with an African and how they were. I think he took that and, and, and embodied that and, and, and used that as a form of consolidating all African tribes to deal with this cracker because he knew that he knew that even though they functioned in different uniforms, they operated competitively, but in the uniform area. You know what I'm saying? That's my assessment. Uh, I've been I've been talking for a second. Yeah, you want to come on then, uh, Sister Camille? You want to add on, brother? Did a, a beautiful breakdown, you know. And at the end of the day, you have we all have to surmise that uh, 
The religions of perversion played a crucial role in the justification of the genocide of our people and the colonization of our land. Dr. Clark said in this lecture that he was at um, a lecture uh, at a college and some sisters got mad at him because he uh, brought the fact out that there was no um, teenage pregnancy in Africa and that teenage pregnancy in Africa begins with the raping and the kidnapping of teenage girls by these cracker beasts. In the uh, slave forts, on the ship, on the plantation, you know, and they were offended, which shows their mental slavery, that he showed the direct connection of what, these educated sisters are looking at our other sisters, uh, younger sisters that are teenagers, as being unworthy because they are now preg- impregnated at a teenage um, age. You know, as Brother Minkara said before, what do they do first? As the North Koreans broke down, they, they, they put that ideal out there. They put that lie out there. And we turn around and make it real. There was no such word for illegitimacy, an illegitimate child, in the history of our people, according to Dr. Clark. Right. That's the first thing he cleared. He that's the first thing he cleared up when he had that uh, lecture on the movie right right after it was it came out. You know, when the series really went into production, he came with that immediate overview because it wasn't historically accurate in how they persuade, how they conveyed the, you know, the contention of his illegitimate birth, like you said, wasn't illegitimate about his birth or nothing like that. He goes into detail about that. You know what I mean? And really, it shows you if you look, if you look into it, Europeans classify Zulus as being patriarchal. Meaning that you, you the, the 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 men run, and it's your father's side that you inherit your power, you know your your your, your wealth and all that fun. And even though when we get that interpretation, we think it's just like the Bible says, because the Bible is a patriarchal family structure, as is Islam, in, in, in terms of. So we think the the, the rules of patriarch family structure is like the Bible. That is a lie. Because in the Bible, the women don't have no say, and they don't even acknowledge a woman as being a saint or a prophet. And the ones who did, women saints who are there are after the fact, you know, they're not written in the story. You know what I'm saying? Mother Teresa, you know, if you want to use that, if you, you know, motherfuckers use arguments, but that's not the point. That's not the point at all. They don't use women. If you study, even look at the fictional movie of Sakazula the movie. Watch it closely. 
if it was strictly patriarchal like 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 the Bible, there would have been no need to convene. The wives would have had no say-so in the matter. His sister wouldn't have had no say-so. Even you know, she would have she would have had no place in terms of relevancy because I don't even think the word there is the word princess and queen even used in the Bible. Hmm. Other than the Queen of Sheba. Other than the Queen yeah. of Sheba. I know no princess. Yeah. No princesses. Ain't no princesses. Ain't no princes. Yeah. But you the know, King, I say, you saying that Dr. Clark had brought that up um, after manifesting how the film lied and tried to make it seem like Shaka was um, born of an illegitimate birth when he, his mother and the king and his mother, who was the queen, who comes from a royal line that was um, had more precedence and prestige than Shaka's father's uh, bloodline, according to Dr. Clark, uh, they were married. Exactly. And what you really got was an insight on how What's the word? Uh, what's the cracker term that they use when you have more than one wife? What do they call that? Polygamy. Polygamy. We got an insight of, of how Africa, African polygraphy really works. Even though Shaka Zulu, this is all you need to know. Even though Shaka Zulu's daddy was king, it was the women who ran the political affairs, wasn't it? Because who would have a problem? With the dates and the months in which the, the the in which the king's children will be born to inherit power. Hmm. I'm gonna say that again. And a you didn't get a pimp type of background where it was Shaka Zulu like bitch. You coming at me fair? You know? No, no, no. Uh, uh. These African women had enough power in this system to delegate and force the king to exile one wife. <laughs> huh? Even even in the movie, they rarely show him in the matter, huh? He did he have any say so in that matter? Not at all. Hmm. Then then. Look, look, you know, what's the reflection of that in terms of Zulu, this patriarch type of nature towards women? After his mother died, what type of treatment did she get? Royal treatment. Uh, uh, ceremony that has, hasn't been seen the likes of uh, in Africa, according to Dr. John Henry Clark in modern times. Even the cows mourned. <laughs> huh? The elephants mourned. She was called the great elephant. He punished you if you didn't, you know, if you didn't give honor to his mom. I believe Dr. Clark said he had a 10, I'll only exaggerate, I'll, uh, uh, I'll, I'll give a little, you know, a 7,000 man regiment. No, no, two, uh, it was 2,000 guards that guarded her grave for two years. <laughs> Mm. 
Clark said it was the old women council that called for, you know, him to be ceremonially uh, removed when he gave the uh, creed that they couldn't cohabitate for a year because of the death of his mother. Hmm. I heard this is what she just said. Even at the end of this African, that's something we need to look at. <laughs> the end of this African king's career ended with the with, with with the with the delegation of queens on the matter. It was the queens that said, "No, well, 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 that was a woman who said that." If I'm not mistaken, only royal hands can touch you. That's right. So the same woman that could bring that African man power is the same one in, in, in essence that can take him out. This is this this the impact of the Zulu War that we need to analyze for 2015. That's still in effect to this day. And you know, it's something that something that Doctor John Henry Clark said about the movie, though. That uh, when I when I watched it, you know, and I started to rewatch it again, watch some of the clips, some of the pieces. But when I watched it as a youth, I really didn't notice the Muslim tone on it. it, it but listening to him, you know, speak on it, it you know, you could. You, you go back and start to look, and you, you can see that there, there, um, the context of how how he was, you know, how he had the women juxtaposed against each other and stuff like that. How he spoke on how, to, how, um, how just the, the mind state of the people looking at the movie, and they, they, uh, the view of how women are and how they're supposed to be according to an Islamic type of frame of mind. And I just I just never really uh, I never really saw it. So now I'm just going back into the movie because we we watched it. I wanted to put that out there and see what the family thought about what he you know, what he was saying on that. Well, to me he was dead on. Um especially when he mentioned um, them using Africans of a complexion that was not uh, the complexion of a typical Azula woman. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that fucked me up, that had me stuck on stupid, all right, was episode seven where, you know, uh, he has the cracker beast putting the dye in his mama hair, you know, and the symbolism of that. Because this is the same man as a young boy when his father uh, uh, grabbed his mother, which uh, Dr. Clark also expounded on that that was a horrific display of what their relationship was really like, as well as his relationship to Shaka Zulu being there at his um, initiation to become a man, um, dressing him, you know what I'm saying? Um, it, it, It was offensive. You know, it, it, it just you, you just see them sowing the psychological implantation of 
uh, hatred we're supposed to have for each other and how the black woman is supposed to uh, effeminize her man and look to the great cracker beast. That episode had me so fucked up that I I needed to write notes about the shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Terrific. And Dr. Clark uh, is dead on uh, with that in relationship to the portrayal of the African woman and the relationship between the African man and the African woman. Gosh, right. uh, look, look, look at look 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 at the look how the program was formatted in terms of being episodes. <laughs> they did the same thing with Roots to some extent in giving you episodes. That's that's the, it's a form of propaganda. Like you know, they knew on one hand they knew Africa was so diverse. Like the most diverse scene they saw of Africa for me was when they when they showed Saka Zulu coming to the to the Twa to build his short spear. But then again, on the social issues, the European lack thereof knew anything of that. The, see, people don't understand this. Men, men have fraternal orders that's going to exist even in so-called country or rural or savage societies, if you want to use them terms. Meaning, I don't care what society you're in, if we was to go right now to any society in Africa that's living in the bush, or in Australia living in the bush, we will find that we will see a uniformity in fraternal rituals of manhood. What are we talking about? Hunting. It goes beyond just catching the food. If we have certain zoo types that exist in the ecology of the environment, for example, we're talking about Africa. We're going to see a high class that's going to exist of men. They're going to create a standard amongst themselves for participation. Nigga, you want to be part of this, you know, to be the head nigga of this crew here, you have to engage in a ceremonial warfare practice of a certain zoo type, a certain animal. You can't, it's the same thing. We even find it right now to example when a nigga gets initiated in the motorcycle uh, 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 club. He becomes a prospect. He has to do certain things and rituals, right? That has always existed in humanity. So for them to be delinquent on showing that shit with Shaka Zulu's father, they wanted to convey that image to you that Shaka Zulu was the product of a single-parent household and he had problems with his father, and that really overtones the time in which the film came out. And that's the same, you know, that's the problem that was, you know, when that, when, that, when that series came out, that was some of the problems that exist present day, single-parent household. So they give you that overtone as if even in Africa that shit always existed. That's, you know what I mean? I say, and, and especially when he is the greatest deserter of the mother. And Dr. Clark does a beautiful job of giving some figures and statistics to uh, back that up. He mentions the three million Eurasians, half cracker beast, half cracker beast Asian. A marriage between a white and a Eurasian is about, about approximately 10. Then he took it to South Africa. The white man with the African woman, the colored, colored. 
million of them, not one single marriage. So that's, again, um, horrific uh, racist propaganda to denigrate the African man, the African warrior. And, uh, you know, even, and, and also, again, as Dr. Amos Wilson sh- shows, as he calls uh, European histography full of myth and lies, the lie of these uh, boars coming there in uh, the British, you know, uh, the ship crash, that type of bullshit, not there to kidnap, rape, and pillage all that they can get. You know, they they when when they they teach they have cartoons about pirates and shit, right? Movies, and they pretend as if this is a time period of that that did not exist during Amayafa. That, that that's not the source of it. What they call pirates. It's so horrific. You know, th- this is why we we have to uh, do our own uh, writing of our own story and and the studying of it, because it is really, you know, my my hatred for the Cracker Beast has no bounds. The more you learn, the more you see how deceitful and wicked and foul and monstrous uh, these things are. And I really mean that. Oh. And Brother Mikura, I wish you was on the uh, hangout the other day because when we talk about this, because that scene where they have Shaka signing over land to the Cracker Beast, and you know they're not supposed they're they're supposed to be savages. The only language that's viable is their shit that's written down on the paper, right? That that's the imagery. Uh, that's how I caught it, and. Uh, you know, Shock is able to sign his name, and they're like, ooh, wow, you know, he's super intelligent. Hold on, sister, come here. Yeah. Hold on, sister, come here. Is your... Hold on. Um, Bubba Little, you hear sister, come here? Bubba Little, I don't want y'all out there. The sister, come here, microphone sounding like it's going down to you. Nah, yeah, it was dying out. It was dying out, guy. Uh, all right, that's why I was just wanted to make sure that it sounded like that for more than just me. It wasn't just me. Sister Kamir, I don't know what it is, but yeah, the microphone. Got... I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Black Power? Black Power. Oh, there you go, Black Power. There you go. Your microphone will sound like it was dying a little bit, so we heard you say, I know I heard you say, um, say something about Mekara, but what you were saying to him got lost. Sorry about that family. Um, right. That you know that scene where um, they got Shaka Zulu signing over uh, land to them, right? Because they're supposed to have been these gods who saved him when he was um, assassinated, or there was an attempt at assassination, a complete distortion of what went down too as we already discussed earlier. But anyway, it, it made me think of the Planet of the Apes, 
It really did. That is how I felt that that scene was so degrading and that that's what they was trying to convey. You know, uh, you, you got uh, their language being portrayed as the only true language that's on that paper. And then Shaka and his uh, second-in-command or witnesses who signed on, you know, being illiterate because they don't know uh, the Cracker Beast language. And then Shaka being able to sign his name, which they look at as, oh, it's amazing, you know. Fucking so racist and degrading. I see something funny. And it made me think of the Planet of the Apes and shit. Frozen. Why would they give me this frozen? Huh? Why would they give me this frozen? Hmm. Hey, you out there? Your mic's on, baby. I'll be for all the air again, yet I know my mic is open. I thought it was on mute. By power, right here, Rue. The audio assist was good. So, Rod King, I saw you with the general, Black Power. I had a lovely day with the general. King, you was looking warrior handsome, warrior strong. I appreciate it. Just on duty, a soldier poster for my suit when his general come, right? Ashe. I say, I say, I say, you know, we held it down, though, hey, you know. Me, me and the brother held it down most definitely and enjoyed ourselves and had a good time. It was like having one big Black Power family reunion. Banging on the piggies, you feel? Yeah, letting 5 have it. That's beautiful. Black Power to you, too, Brother Little. Oh, uh, hey, Ruth said it off. He said he was dolo. I, could, I couldn't let that ride. You know what I mean? King, that's what's wrong. Like I said, Brother Makara, you went for a treat tomorrow, man. Nah, nah, you ain't even supposed to tell him. You ain't even supposed to tell him. Oh, my bad. You feel me? Yeah, yeah, family, you know, don't, you know. I was going to leave that as a big surprise, man, you know what I mean? Hey, Ruth, put it in. Okay, I didn't mean to destroy that for you, family. I didn't know. 
It's all right, it's all good. But but Queen on on that on that um that one thing you were talking about, yeah. I agree with your uh, assessment of it. You know. Crack is treacherous. They just there is no bounds to the limits. They will not go. Tell a lie, man. Fuck with your psyche. Well, what happened to our brother Minkarai, brother Boone? Where y'all at? Oh, shit. Damn. I thought I was talking to y'all. My mic was on mute. Man, I thought, brother, uh, damn. Black power, brother Hero. Uh, I thought I spoke to you. <laughs> it even sounded like you spoke back. So I was just flying away. But uh, yeah, welcome, welcome, brother Hayrule. Welcome back in. You know what I'm saying? So I know you're gonna give us some good details a little later on the um on on the uh meeting today. You know how things went down out there on the west side, the best side. But I wasn't having was flow, so y'all was in flow, so don't let me come in and, and stop. No, I was gonna add on to no, I know that I was gonna add on to what Sister Camille was saying and um about there to do anything. And that goes into the point of, you know, one of the interesting one of the people that I you know, I've all been interested in was um Cecil Rose. When once I heard that he had a scholarship, you know, I never knew what a Rose scholar was. You know, what people used to talk about it like it was such a good thing. And so then I got to got to look and see who was Cecil Rhodes and why was being a role star such a good thing. And um, you know, he was another player in uh South Africa during that late nineteenth century, early twentieth century, you know. He died, uh he he was he was born uh halfway through <clears throat> Halfway through nineteenth century, eighteen fifty three, and he died nineteen oh two. So, but with this side, this time he had a reign of terror on our African continent. Mister Rose was is, uh, he has a notorious poster right now that he had created with him standing on Africa with one foot from the southernmost tip to the northernmost tip, you know, with the understanding that his way would conquer the whole of Africa. Let me tie in the South African war to what uh-huh. you just said, because this motherfucker had built up so much guap, you know, the cousins, Britain got mad. Motherfucker, where my guap at? 
How you going to get all the guap and I can't get none? You going to eat all the cheddar and I can't get no cheddar? Motherfucking woke. Motherfucker, that's the only way the cracker go to woe, man. So the South African woe. See what I'm saying? From 1899 to 1902. October 11th, 1899 to uh, May 31, 1902, between Great Britain and two Boer African Republics, South African Republic and the Orange Free State. You see? Now, I'm going to talk about the low countries in a minute, and I'm going to tie in all this shit. Now, you know the Peckerwood, the fucking Peckerwood is the Peckerwood. You know what I'm saying? But, you know what I mean? It, 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 it was uh, uh, the largest and most costly war in which Britain engaged between Napoleonic War and World War Two, spending uh, approximately $200 million. Uh, it was fought between, uh, it was fought between wholly unequal protagonists. The total British military strength of South Africa reached nearly 500,000 men, whereas the Boers could muster no more than about 88,000. But the British were fighting in a hostile country over difficult terrain with long long lines of communication, while the Boers, mainly on the defense, were able to use modern rifle uh, to good effect at a time when attacking forces had no means of... Uh, so they was using guerrilla warfare, uh, nonetheless, while Great Britain was just coming with that gas. You know what I mean? They were just, just blowing their ass away with cannons and all type of shit, basically. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So all that, all that to be said was tied into again to what uh, Mickey was saying. How these motherfuckers had the Great Wall built upon them. Why would you have a Great Wall upon you, motherfuckers? Be fighting, motherfuckers be fighting. They had an eighty-year war. Let's go into the eighty-year war for these crackers. You know what I'm saying? All this is on uh, Britannica online. You know what I mean? The eighty-year war, real quick, right? All right. From um no 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 this is this is jump off before they set up their whole republic. This is why they fighting over each other. They can't get shit straight. You know what I'm saying? They can't get shit straight. So the eighty year war started from fifteen sixty eight to sixteen forty eight. All right? The war of the Netherlands independence from who? Spain. The cracker is a cracker is a cracker. Okay? All right? Now, we can keep going and going and going. The shit going to go forever. But just see the links right here, right? Netherlands, independence from Spain. All right? That was the 80-year war. Come on now. Which led to a separation of the northern southern Netherlands and the formation of the United Provinces of the Netherlands, the Dutch Republic. The first phase of the war began with two unsuccessful invasions, provinces, uh, provinces by mercenary armies under Prince William, the first of Orange. <laughs> well, we talking about the Orange Free State, Brother B. Oh, all right, all right, all right. 1568 through 1572. See, this is the jump off. This is how you got the Orange Free State. That's why it's called the Orange Free State. You dig? All right, all right. And the foreign base raids by the uh, Gizian. Man, I hate cracking names. G E U Z E N. Can't pronounce this shit. You know what I'm saying? I speak. I speak Ebonics, nigga. Proudly. The irregular Dutch la- uh, land and sea forces by the end of the 1573 of the um, had captured, converted to Calvinism, and secured against Spanish attack against provinces of Holland, which is Netherlands, and Zealand. So, you know. You know what I'm saying? So, so 
Let me go to the low, low countries, right? I just wanted to kick off the 80-year war and give you all a, 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 a pretext of what Mickarab was saying. These motherfuckers don't get along. Now, that's Netherlands and Spain. So, so, so that was before the Netherlands called themselves the Netherlands. They had to get out of Spain's fucking uh, 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 toe. You know what I mean? They, they was under fa- um, what you call foot on the neck. You know what I'm saying? So they had to weasel out of that, right? So the low countries, let me get into the low countries for y'all. All this is open Britannica Encyclopedia, once again now. So the low countries, coastal region of northern, western Europe, right, consisting of Belgium, Netherlands, and Luxembourg, all right? Luxembourg. <clears throat> the low countries are bordered by Germany to the east and France, to the south. In nineteen forty in nineteen forty seven the three nations formed the Benelux Custom Unions, which broadened over the years into uh what a nineteen sixty treaty confirmed as the Benelux Economic Union to this very fucking day. All right. The Low Countries are so called because much of their land uh along the North Sea coast span for some distance inland is either below sea level or just slightly above it. More than a quarter of the total land area of the Netherlands is below sea level, for instance. Natural sun dunes and a system of man-made seawalls like dikes protect the polar artificial drained fat, see, artificially drained flat country below sea level from flooding. They ain't got shit over there, all right? Well, Prince Alexander Polder, north of Rotterdam, that's the only reason why I'm reading this, to get y'all to understand they ain't got shit over there. Nothing, all right? All this shit got to be artificial, okay? The Prince Alexander Polder, north of Rotterdam, is the lowest point in the countries, in the lowest point in the low countries and lies 22 feet below sea level. So I'm going to pause right there because I'm just pointing out too. This is why they had to get ships, right? Motherfuckers flooding. They living in water, nigga. It's like water land over there, water world, nigga. Feel me? Motherfuckers flipper and shit. The, the principal rivers of the low countries include uh, Chalet, Masseuse, um, Moss, and branches of Lower Rhine. See, Rhine. An extensive network of shipping canals and waterways links to the, to the major rivers. More than 3,000 square miles of fertile farmland have been reclaimed have been reclaimed from the deltas of the uh, other motherfucking rivers I just said. Why? Because the shit be flooding. So all that to let you know, that's why they had to have a strong Navy, and then that's why you had to have the Vikings, huh? All right, all right, all right. You know what I'm saying? So all this is related because these are the motherfucking Gauls, the, the, the Franks, all them barbarian-ass Roman tribes. That's these motherfuckers right here. That's these motherfuckers. That's when they, they ran out of Rome now. They run out of Rome, and they start flooding and shit. You see what I'm saying? Anyway, but that's the low countries, and, 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 and see, and see, look, they conquered by the Romans in the first century. See? 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 Because we keep reading on the shit, but I don't want to go too far. The farther I'm trying to, stay, trying to stay on the motherfucking timeline right here, but just pointing out that the cracker is a cracker is a cracker. They've been fighting each other for fucking God know how fucking long, you know what I mean? And that's why they had to um, start getting on ships and shit. Because the where they was living, it's motherfucking flooding. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. 
I'm going to just take a pause real quick right there. You know what I'm saying? Because I hate these fucking crackers, man. You know what I'm saying? I don't give a damn what you call them. The cracker is a fucking cracker, man. You know what I'm saying? Don't let them confuse y'all with the different names and the tribes they try to try to motherfucker uh, 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 throw at you. You know what I'm saying? That's just names. The cracker is the cracker. The motherfucker pale, he cracker with a, with a straight nose. God damn it, what more proof you need? He had to call, ain't he? It's called Netherlands, right? All right. All right. I'm going to stop. Pause. Right power. Right power. <laughs> Black power. And what's funny is we're dealing with the same people. Brother brother Little put it, if you look in the Hangouts, he put a good link, and you can see that the Calvinist flag is the same as the Confederate flag. <laughs> There's different colors. So in essence, because they come from the same root, the same tree, they're just different branches of it. And we can see that root, you know, starting in Europe, starting with uh, a Christian, a Christian type of background on how the on how white folks should run politics on other people in the world. And one another good assessment is the military strategies used by Shaka Zulu. For example, if Shaka Zulu would have been in America during the Civil War, they would have had problems stopping him. Because he made the assessment of European stand-up inline warfare way back then and brought into being open ground, running. You know, break them niggas' defenses, and, 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 and the success that they had was breaking the European lines through open combat. We've seen this same shit actually get reinvented, and this was successful for the Vietnam, Vietnamese, during the Vietnam War, my dad used to tell me all kind of shit. The motherfuckers used to be uh, they they was underneath the ground. My dad would tell me shit like they knew. He said we had to start eating Vietnamese food. He said what you didn't like because they could smell our shit. So when we when we talk about the practicality of warfare, we have to put into context that individuals, if you're not from there, you're gonna stand out like a sore thumb. And the hardest thing to do. And covert warfare is to blend into a nature that you don't have time to make the assessments to, to get on the shit. You're going to be fucked. And if you're not from that and the individuals know that and can exploit that, that's your ass. So when you look at the, knowing this, when you look at the movie on Shaka Zulu, remember, remember, the British out of all, remember, the British are only one of the colonialists who took over Africa. But one of their tactics are they have their masters. The motherfuckers are cold politicians. And if you look at the movie Shaka Zulu, they bear witness to the testimony of their cleverness in politics by the dying of the Korean, the dying of the hair and so forth. You don't take the facts of it. Take look at what the British were willing to go through to get in favor of Shaka Zulu. And you can't. And, and, and when you do make that assessment, you can't tell me that they, they they knew they knew that nigga was the one in power. They knew because you only cater to the nigga that's in power in such fashion. You know. You know. You see the point I'm making. I see. I see. That's that, that's the only way. Why would you cater to somebody who can't do nothing for you? So they left out the they left out the Afrikaner interpreters. 
who had to be born there in the society and able to learn that African language because African languages, see, it's a trip. When you talk to anybody that's not American, you have to make the assessment that English must be an easy language to learn. <laughs> and for individuals to learn other languages, they have to they have the best time to get it with you is when you're a child. You know what I mean? So in that movie, they purposely left out. And you might find a secret for a few of them, but they, they, don't put, they don't really put any light on it. In order to have a thorough Calvinist interpreter, that shows that they, they've been there. They didn't pop up in South Africa. Feel me? When you look at Dr. Clark's overview, he tells you, read the journals of the sailors who first came over there because them niggas had journals. Because as we were talking about on the other show, in this time in history, the life expectancy for the average cracker was 33, 35. So their whole culture was to create an adventure, to leave a legacy for your life. So they all carry journals. Dr. Clark got access to some of those journals. And he goes on for those journals and say they had ill intentions from the beginning. They didn't have good intentions from the beginning. So this this gives you the makeup of how, you know what I'm saying? So going back to the the, the military warfare practicality that Jacques Zulu brought into being, he's seen that the Europeans lacked competency in the terrain. He's seen also that regardless if... They had they had a collective body, and then his main priority was to collectively consolidate those African tribes. Mm-hmm. He did with some, but some of the most fierce African tribes who didn't consolidate with Saka Zulu were the ones who had patriarchal systems in place. <laughs> As Dr. Clark said, these individuals... Well, one African uh, uh, tribe, I can't think of the name of it, but every morning the men prostrated in front of the woman's, their mother's doorsteps and wouldn't get up until their mother gave them permission to. These were a peaceful African tribe. But when they, you know, at this time when the, when the Zulu war machine was at its full heights, in some cases, Zulu, Zulu wasn't talking to some nations. He wasn't talking to them. He needed to get out of lay down. And before he went into, he he, he didn't look at the, the type of the tribes he was dealing with because he was he was kicking ass. But this particular African tribe, he should have done some research on because even though they weren't the Zulu and they didn't have a patriarchal system, they had an under they had a divine love for their mothers that went beyond his movement cause. And he, you know, he gave them a pardon, if you will. You know what I'm saying? You know, because of the, you know, but later, if I'm not mistaken, they, they end up, they, they end up, we all had to get up in it because we all had to answer to the European problem. It was so prevalent. We got foreigners amongst us. Uh, Brother Minkara from uh, Dr. Clark Lecture, um, the name I got of that uh, African group or tribe was called the Swazi. The Swazi. Now, look look, look how they've been uh, 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 demonized by European Swaziland. 
Look at the Africana problem they got. <laughs> Look at the political issues that went with Swaziland, bringing, you know, coming from the root of the Swazi people. So we got multiple different varieties of tribes throughout South Africa. And I learned this, my first, in, in, uh, uh, my first book on anthropology, the first ecology of a tribe they had to study was the Koi Koi. And I still got this book called uh, The Calypso Sisters. And it states basically that the Koi Koi go back 10,000 years. They're the oldest ethnic group. You got some races who don't even exist 10,000 years ago. Well, we got a solid cultural. When they, when they, whenever they give you the makeup of a pastoralist, no, not a pastoralist, what's the one I'm looking for? Oh, oh. oh damn, I'm supposed to know this. Living off the land. A uh, 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 hunter gatherer, a true hunter, the only true hunter gatherer that they can find right now is the, is the clay court. They don't have to farm because they history. There's a good documentary on uh, the South African brother um, who really came up with a hoodia. Hoodia, it looked like a cactus, and in America and out the Western world, it's is used for. Uh, Diet control, make you lose weight and shit, right? But the koi koi ate it during times of famine. You know, when they didn't have food, you can chew some hootia, and it would, it would, you know, the ingredients in it would leave hunger and so forth. So it's interesting because it shows you the nature of the Afrikaner because he scrutinized among his own and some of his own because his mother, he's koi koi, half Zulu, and no, 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 koi koi Bushman. An Afrikaner, when his great grandfather Afrikaner, of course, just like same in America. Like skin nigga, one of your great grandfathers was raped. But he is a witch doctor and is good at it, very good. He still do his walkabout. He still can find the herbs that his grandmother and grandfathers taught him. And in this in this documentary, the Afrikaners did the same shit that they did before the civil rights movement. What they did was they allowed the integration of certain uh, 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 indigenous bodies, for example, the Khoi Khoi. So what they did was, even though this is South African land owned by South Africans, these Afrikaners come in, and because they are bent on not leaving, we're not leaving, so they federally recognized some of the groups. And some of the groups didn't have to stay in society because one of the problems of Africa, they said that they didn't want to be bound by the rules of the city. So they told them, well, go back to the, go back to the, to the bush. But the bush been destroyed. So some of them were out there, and they couldn't live off the knowledge that their ancestors taught them because a lot of the motherfucking foods and shit been destroyed. So some of them came back. So when you watch this documentary, I'm going to try to put it in the hangout. When you watch the documentary, he has an Indian English film crew with him. And the English film crew, they they only got whiffed for this shit because they heard Hootie came out of South Africa and they went and found out who, they, they, they want to know who the Bushmen are, the Koi Koi. So when, when they sitting down, they're in front of the federal parks. The Dutch Afrikaners have taken some of the wild indigenous lands of the Bush Koi Koi and made them federal parks named after crackers with gates on them. I mean, federal patrol, 
you know, that border shit, right? So they check in and out when they want to go and take their walkabouts and shit, right? So when he's talking, he can speak. There's only one woman left in South Africa that can speak click clack. You know, there's only one African woman elder left. And they're trying, to, they're trying to do the same thing we're doing in America. We're bringing about self-educated schools, right? I studied, I studied South Africa because all niggas in America should study South Africa. If you're not black as night and you got nappy hair and you got high cheekbones, your ass probably came from South Africa because the, the British came over after Dutch. And the British were in the slave trade late. So not all niggas in America come from West Africa. Motherfucker got that shit fucked up. Sarah Bartman came from South Africa. <laughs> Y'all know who Sarah Bartman is, right? Mm-hmm. Do? What did the British do to her body? Go look at go look at go look at the Koi Koi South Africans. Light skin, high cheekbones. Little waist, and they got the Gluteus Maximus. They come out of South Africa. You know, you're saying that one of my one of my cousins um, is is Zulu. Like his, you know what I'm saying? His bloodline is Zulu. Matter of fact, he just showed me. He just sent me. He seen the picture. He just sent me a picture of his great great grandfather. Um, I'll pull that name up. But you're um, correct about that, about the um, South African presence right here in the wilderness of North America. Now, Brother Little was very correct when he, the presence there, the uh, apartheid system during the 60s, uh, 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 Nelson Mandela's Bushman, the fight still, go look at the Olympics in South Africa. Look at the South African flag. <laughs> Look at how they've introduced a new term, African, to age. Or you got Afrikaner. Listen to the dialect that they speak. You hear a little, it's got a little, so this to prove, just to come here, point. Our language wasn't that savage because the new, the language of Africa is a mixture of Koi Koi, that Dutch shit. And another language, you can hear it. You can, and it sound weird as a mother. They be yo yo yo, Yeah, yeah, yo. What the fuck? Does German and like you said, the Koi, the Koi language a lot, and a couple different other native African languages. You can only be able to do that, like for example, Swahili. Swahili is an African language. That's the product. That's the product of foreigners coming into Africa. Because Arabs spoke Swahili. Arab is a mixture of indigenous African languages and Arabic. Mm-hmm. But you see how practical and adapt. Now you know goddamn well came from white woman. Or, 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 or let's, let's use the motherfuckers who created shit. You know, goddamn, ain't can no error, bitch. Come up with no language called Swahili, right? That was an African woman who spoke an African language whose rapist was an Arab. And even under the yoke of oppression, under that Arab rapist, she was able to create 
a language called Swahili, so that her, so 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 that the Arab can talk to his baby, and she can still, and the baby can still learn in the this African language. Y'all see the point I'm making? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, it had to go. If it was the other way around, the child will only learn Arabic. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, that was definitely an African, an African woman had to create that. And also another thing that was that was strong then at that time was the African woman being the head of the market. And we know Swahili is also a trade language. Hmm. I'd like to say that it's um, 12.15 and uh, two white bitches have been murdered by their husband a significant other in Russia. 14,000 of them die every year. Black power. Black power. Mm-hmm. But there was a, a nigga. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.
and one of the things that the brother was was stating was something was something that we mentioned earlier about exactly you know his he expressed exactly what a Calvinist was and the fact that he said no matter what they wouldn't treat us human like we were just not human to him at all and they did not you know at all treat us in any mannerism that they uh any type of passion, all they wanted to do was slave us. And, you know, and this is coming from the elder. He was born 1890. The, uh, the clip stolen from, I believe, like 1980. So, you know, we have people who still living who told the child to tell a story of the things that happened to them as children. Dealing with this uh, this European beast. Right. You see, one thing we need to notice is that there's a connection with oppressors in history, of course. Now, this is important to know, too. When we look at the history of the Zulu Wars, these Afrikaners was bitches. They didn't have enough heart to really face us. Because look who started, look who, look who was fighting us, the British. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The British. See, the Jews have this thing, like most religious motherfuckers have, they want an enemy that they can win. They never, they never really fight their own. So when some real... You, you know, they they did more damage with us socially under politics with the British came in. You know what I mean? They were still in no doubt. But you really see them getting power through, you know, because why would the British look, why would the British sympathize for some niggas on the accountability of their cousins, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Right? So they ain't going to say, you need to stop killing those niggas. These are two crackers. And they both come from a Protestant background, so they can all, you know. But when one came in, you see one submit to the other and get a little more authority from the other. Like, yeah, man, I could be an overseer of these niggas, man. I've been dealing with them first. You know, we were the first settlers here. To give you a good example of what the fucking Afrikaner is, look at the, look at the, Look at the comic book series that was produced by BET called Black Panther. <laughs> Anybody remember that? They had old boy who played in uh, Blood Diamond be the voice for Black Panther. If anybody don't know the background, Black Panther is the first Marvel comic book character. He comes from a country named Wakanda. Wakanda is technically the most evolved country in the world. They technology out the world. Not only do they have technology, but they have all the cures to the world medicines, and they also have vibranium, a rare element. This is the same element that is used in Captain America's shield, right? The first invader wanting vibranium is a an evil villain by the name of De Claw. He's a Belgium assassin. The end, go look this shit up. When you look at the series, 
and he knew he Uganda is the only African nation that has remained independent and don't allow no. They don't talk to no foreigners. They don't, they, they have an in-house policy. It, it, they, 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 they don't nobody know nothing about Wakanda like we don't know nothing about over Korea, like that type of shit, right? When the claw invades Wakanda, the first motherfucker he goes to is the Catholic Church. <laughs> the Catholic Church say, we've been wanting to know the secrets of Wakanda for centuries. They bring they bring the whole white cologne, the same, basically it's the same shit in history, they just changed the name. <laughs> Watch that shit. And the BET put that shit on there. Black Panther! Black Panther! <laughs> but watch that shit, and when you see the claw speaking, the claw gonna tell you about the, 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 the claw took the first Black Panther. The Black Panther comes from a patriarchal society that is passed down from father to son or uncle to nephew. And they basically, they, they, they eat a special plant. And this plant comes from the Wakanda area and gives them the senses of all, everything. Them niggas is, the nigga, the nigga Black Panther whooped Captain America's ass, basically, put it like that. He that cold. But the, but what's cold is when you watch the series, watch how the Claw had to assassinate the motherfucking Black Panther. I'm talking. I'm a, I got this shit on my presence just to hold on. But when he comes in there, they all want. They all asking this king questions. Oh, how's the technology? How's the cure? And he talking to them like children. He tell the white cracker, nigga, you can't call me by my surname. Oh, I'm sorry, a uh, 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 king. He's. They had to. They had to lure this African out of Africa. Under the guise of a UN council in Switzerland, in the ice slopes, the claw, I'm not bullshitting y'all, the claw had six months to get this assassination attempt together. The nigga hid in the, under the floor for two days, y'all. They let thorough in this comic book. Comic book is cold, right? He come out, he killed the Black Panther's father in front of him. And the claw got his name because the king, when he seen his father get killed, his father fucked his face up real bad. Fucked the cracker face up, deformed him. And the Black Panther fucked him off, the little young boy. But I'm going to stop talking. Let's all get into this. But I'm I'm, going to pull a clip up. I want you all to hear this shit. Brother Minkaran, you know, I, I definitely marry your mind. You're, you're a human encyclopedia of the finest love. Oh, yeah, I know exactly what he's talking about. The, you know, the Black Panthers of Zulu. Mm-hmm. You know, and his wife is Storm. And his uh, and his wife is Storm. You feel me? Yeah. It shows the relationship, you know. And when Brother Mikarab brings up and Brother Born and Brother Little brings up the relationship or the how the Jews help the formation of the reformation period. You know, they brought that on because they're getting back at Ferdinand II and Isabella who, you know, in 1478 declared war on their ass. You know, that was the start of the Inquisition, you know. 
It said full swing by 1492, when, as we know, Christopher Colon's poem that set sail. So you can see the timeline Brother Little brought up, the early 1500s. And then looking up um, Calvinism, I came across some information which I had never heard of before, but I'm glad I know of it now, the French Wars, which took place in the late 1500s. And it was between Calvinistic French and the French Catholic. And the wealthy families that belonged to both really you know, being the uh, players in the chess game, moving the pieces. Yeah, the kings and the pope. I say. Uh huh. And then on top of that, to tie that in, you know, I mean, that's what look, that's what the the, the French wars, right, got popped off. Napoleon was starting the revolutionary wars. See, and then they, and then they got Napoleon buff popped off, and that's how you got Waterloo. See what I mean? The Battle of Waterloo was the end of a twenty a twenty three year war between the crackers. See, see. It, 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 to this very day, that's how it's still going down. And if we fail to realize the politics of the cracker and their dynamics, most of the shit ain't got nothing to do with you. It's in house squabbling. 80% of the time. They try to protect they they try to protect their kingdom from one another. <laughs> that's, that's all it is. So in order to win favor with the public, you gotta do this. In order to win favor with the public, I gotta do that. Because this motherfucker Bush was doing this. This cracker over here was doing that. That's that's all it is. And the best example of that is look 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 at Napoleon's rise to power. I got a I got a good history uh lesson on Napoleon from a white Mason. They thought see there's a there's a connection between George Washington and Napoleon. See, they learned from the mistakes of Napoleon. See, Napoleon, they thought they was going they was going to use Napoleon to create the the Masons created the French Revolution. They they cite that as their first successful coup d'état, if you would, right? Mm-hmm. Because they were to successfully create that division factor. And mm-hmm. in French, the French Revolution started off. You was either rich or you was dirt poor. See what I'm saying? They brought that shit into being. They unified the they unified the, the the poor and gave them the political agenda for uh, uh, overthrowing the rich, and they they pushed everything into being and put Napoleon in power. Except when Napoleon got into power, that nigga said, "Fuck y'all, nigga, French is for the French," and re and changed his name to the motherfucking emperor. <laughs> now look, now that was funny as if to prove my point. Why do you think they exile that nigga at first? You only exile a nigga you got connections with, right? I can't kill him because if I kill him, I'm a martyr. Mm-hmm. 
But right. I got love for him because the nigga did do the job, but he just got out of pocket. He got unruly. So I asked out a nigga at first. Then, then the second time, when he came back to power, what happened? The nigga just came up missing. Mm-hmm. You had to clean him up then. Now, now, let me give you a backdrop on Napoleon bitch ass, right? The little corporal was his name, right? Born, born uh, August fifteenth, seventeen sixty nine. The happy day of his death was uh, May fifth, eighteen twenty one, on St. Helena Island, in exile, like uh, the brother has said. Uh, French general, you right? All right, he revolutionized. You know, one of the most celebrated personages in the history of, uh, in, of the West. Why? He revolutionized military organization and training. Didn't Shaka do that? <laughs> Sponsored by the Napoleonic Code, the prototype of later civil law codes, reorganized education and established the long-lived concord. Concordant with the papacy, you know what I mean. Um, see, just that root right there, and with 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 with, with the brief just overview of Shaka, you see how how took Shaka shit. You know what I mean. Uh, the Napoleonic codes and the laws and shit like that, where where the queen went over how uh, Shaka uh, only way you could uh, have a wife, you had to be the top of uh, uh, the black shield, you had to be the elite, the elite guard. Huh? See? See? Because all laws are military. Everything is military. See? Napoleon was the emperor. I mean, whatever he said was fucking law. Wasn't Shaka like that? You Shaka said whoever, Shaka give life and take life? See? See? Reorganize education. And establish long live, see? You know what I mean? So, so anyway, you know, just a little just a little brief history on what the brother, you know, the back of what the brother was talking about. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, that's why Napoleon was 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 created for the cracker. You know what I'm saying? Because, um, like I'm gonna say, the Battle of Waterloo, June eighteenth, eighteen um uh, eighteen fifteen, Napoleon's final defeat. Ended in ending twenty three years of recurrent recurrent warfare between France and other powers of Europe. What's the other powers? Well, Mikarai had talked about earlier. Families. What other families of Europe? Powers. Huh? Ain't no fucking aliens. Ain't talking about no rock. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and once you know the powers of Europe, you know who running this shit to this very day, ain't nothing changed? It's bloodline. That's it. Their job is to keep the bloodline going. That's what this shit means. You know what I'm saying? That's the why that's why you gotta get to the origins, man. That's why you gotta get to the origins. So so that's why, you know, we we, we overviewing what we overviewing. Giving y'all the origins of shit. You know what I'm saying? The origins of shit. Now, now, they ain't going to force feed it all to you now. 
you you gonna have to get a, your own diet of it now. But at least you know where to go get get eat from the buffet at, right? You know where to, you know where to order your food at. By power. By power. So so don't ever too and too just prove we proven that the crackers oh, are going right. at their neck. You know what I mean? We proven that the crackers go at their neck. So don't don't ever act like crackers just get along and it be all fine to dandy now. Mhm. Yeah. And um another another um uh, key point in the overview of Shaka Zulu is that in the uh, South Africa, the players in South Africa, and especially Shaka is is the uh, as you were saying, the education is the reorganization of our education into a more militaristic um, mind state, seeing that even with what you would call a technological disadvantage, seeing what the, what the Zulu warriors were able to uh, withstand and how they were able to maintain against the uh, superior firepower of the British, other Boers, you know, and uh, we have to look at and examine our own uh, situation, see what we're going through, and see if we can uh, if we can take some of those um, pieces, which I think that we can, and especially you know pieces of uh, militarizing our children, six, seven years old. This is something that has to be done. Um, looking forward to uh, creating a warrior uh, lineage. Being um, and so we have to have people in the mind state of always uh, reproducing with those who have that warrior mind state. Also, you know, the women have to make sure that the men that they're dealing with are men of character. You know what I mean? Who are going to be willing to uh, fight and die? Who are already willing to fight and die for their uh, nation? You know what I'm saying? Especially having to be able to fight and die for family. You know, you find you find men who are of this character. These are the men that you should reproduce with. Those who are looking forward to bringing something greater uh, to his people. And so this is, you know. I mean, that's one of the reasons why, it was, you know, just going over that military aspect and just that reorganization, the reasons why we might, the reasons why we have to go out and clean up some of the other Africans, you know, in order for us to be able to have a, a true unity amongst the warriors, some people who are hindrances to the unity I had to be cleaned up in the process of unifying. So we've seen that there were necessary cleanups going on, which were characterized inside of the movie on Shaka Zulu as something as the sister community was saying, uh, you know, something that's even more savage, you know, and unjust than anything, but were for the best reason. And the best reason always is the... Um, safety of the nation. No one person is greater than the nation. And so that's how Shaka looked at it. More than one uh, time greater than the nation that they knew they, they had to defend. 
I say, brother uh, B, that was uh, Saka. He had the uh, apprenticeship, apprenticeship program where you know he takes the six year olds and the babies, you know, and they they start trading. Mm-hmm. Oh. Start working on their ten thousand hours. Sister Camille, could you read again the um the 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 quote that you got from Dr. John Harry Clark on what Saka was saying as he was stabbed? You know, because those are uh, words that I think that, you know, we can take and try to ingrain in ourselves and in the people and, uh, you know, how we're going to get through. Um, I say, give me one hot second. All right, no, no problem, no problem. And just uh, looking at the... the the Calvinism and this Calvinist, you know, this this uh group of crackers, you know what I'm saying, who come together to uh, I wanna add too real quick, being with the families that heard the overview, when the Queen read the Shaka statements, I want you to be able to see if you be able to see his prophecy and how it came true. Can't be a prophet if shit don't come true. Uh, Black Power, sorry, family, I had stepped out of my African lair for a minute. You know, <laughs> AKA African War Room. But, um, <laughs> it's, you know, um, the brother, when they um, walk into his tent, the great shocker said to them, Um, you think by killing me, you will be king. You will be the bondsman and the slave. Whites are waiting like ants to take over this country. And the second cry, he reminded them that you have called me many things. Saint, tyrant, God, and devil. To some extent, I am all of these. To some extent, I'm all of these things. But I am something else to you. I am something else you need to remember. I'm the great hope you have from freedom from the European ruling this country. Last blow, he looked at them with pity and said, Oh, what have I done to you, sons of my fathers? And yeah, he's a prophet. That that's what happened in the end. No, I say. And on matters such as that, you know what I mean. I I I know he was he was he was educated under the cloth. You see, you see his magician, his witch doctor. You saw his cloth, his craftsmen that made that made him the blade, and he knew where to go.
know, show them relationship, you know what I mean? That African universal relationship, as Brother Nicola was saying, you know, that um that that bond between between men who do work of the same type of nature. Right. Well, I, I, I like I like how they show you the leper skin. So mm-hmm. you familiar with uh, Sadie lectures? That should be all familiar to you. See, you know what I'm saying? And then this history, I forgot who which one. I think probably was Dr. Clark or someone most likely, but uh, talked about how most of the kings, um, all the rulers had to have the twa with them. You couldn't rule without the twat. It's impossible. And that movie shows that. Shows it. You know what I'm saying? Any major decision, who came out, who was Shaka was a kid, who came out to drink his blood? See? So you, you see the politics right there? That's your politics, black man, black woman. See? That's what that that's where they think Riri is special. That's why the cracker think Riri is special. See, 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 and and, and, and watch three hundred, the movie three hundred, right? Who who was Leonidas had to get permission for before he went to war? The leopard Riri's. <laughs> see, and where was they? Where was they? In the caves, at the top of their bitch. Mm-hmm. And, and what Dr. Clark tell us about cave, so, cave, caveman societal structure, Iceman inheritance, and all that. When he's talking about them coming up the ice pots. See, see, but you know that's what I'm saying. See, see, so when you when you get the, when you get the historical backdrop, the cracker can't make the movie without showing you that. He ain't gonna show you five hours of it because that ain't that ain't edit, that ain't pleasing. Just so the editor gonna take out all the the meat and potatoes and give it to you. Trust that every scene is gonna be meat and potatoes. Just because you don't know what the story's telling you, don't mean there ain't no story at that motherfucker. Trust it. Every scene in every fucking movie must have a story to tell you. Whether it's gonna warn you of danger, let you know just the star character, whatever the fuck. They got to tell you some something. How else was you going to know what you're watching? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then now, so when you see leopard skin, all right, now you see the twa, all right? Now you're in the mama land. You're going to be dealing with the crap. See? And they're going to drop nuggets on your ass. You know what I mean? You can't lie. You can't can't lie to me if you don't tell me that you don't drop the got the truth. You don't change the truth. That's all a lie. Mean the alteration of the truth. You altered the truth. That's a lie. If you ain't got no truth in it, it's a motherfucking story. Ain't nothing wrong with a story. Everybody likes a good story here and there. Freddy Krueger, Santa Claus, Jesus, the Bible. Greatest story ever told, right? Motherfuckers love it. Everybody loves a good story. And, 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 and in the film world, there's only six stories you could ever tell. <laughs> man versus man. Man versus nature. 
Well, what else is it? There's some other shit. Uh, man versus man, man versus nature, man versus uh, goddamn like a some sci-fi shit. But there's only really limited genres and shit. You think about it. I don't feel like thinking about that bullshit right now. But think about it. There's only so much stories you can tell, and that's it. Everything else got to get flipped. And just that's it. The wheels already created. You just got to put D's on them, spinners on them. That's it. But you can't make them 20 inches, make them 30 inches, make them trucker size. But a wheel is a wheel, nigga. Can't be another wheel. Right? Like a chair is a chair. Ain't going to be no another chair. There's different versions of it. You know what I mean? And variety comes, you see nature. Shit, there's a variety of different birds. It's a goddamn bird, though. So, same shit with the cracker. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, you know, enough gapping about that. Black Power family, you know what I mean? Fuck all crackers, you know, put them in the trunk. I'm sorry. Help them up with the house Negroes. Black Power. And, um, no, we're going to burn them alive, bury them alive. Um, I'd like to read that second cry that he uh, mentioned, Brother Shaka, the great warrior, because I, I misquoted the last part, you know. Um, according to Dr. Clark, in the second cry, he reminded them that you have caught me many things, saint, tyrant, god, and devil. To some extent, I am all of these things, but I am something else you need to remember. I am the greatest hope you have for freedom from European rule this century. Black power. Shut out. There it is. <laughs> well, well, is there anything else that we would like to add on? Um, I'm enthused by the information that was given out tonight. Is um, I was, I was brought back. To some things that you know people study only in childhood. You know, you hear about the uh, the movie came out about Saka Zulu. That was about all that you got as a youth. So the understanding and the re understanding of what a Calvinist was is something that I needed to uh, definitely get, which I got tonight. And and it's clear to me now that that's where the ISUPK doctrine comes from. Right up out of that, that they are the same. Well, my brother, brother Maker, I said, you know, it's all Bible. It's all Bible at the end of the day. Yep, Calvin is Dutch. Uh, let me drop one more darn for the for the family, man, right? We're going to go over to some shit called The Hague, right? The Hague is the national seat of government in the Netherlands, right? Mm-hmm. It's the home, the home of the court and government, although Amsterdam is the official capital, right? The city name recalls the hunting lodge of the Council of Holland which is located in the Willens area of Hague, or Hedge. Count William II built a castle there in 1248, around which several buildings include Knights, the Knights Hall, 1280. K- 
came to be clustered, and these became the principal residence of the Counts of Holland. These buildings now form the inner courtyard of the old quarter of the city. About 1350, an artificial lake, the Hof- Hofiger, was dug just north uh, of the, of the uh, Benenhof. The Benenhof is the inner courtyard and still forms one of the many attractions of the city, right? Let, let me go back to Let me just get into some shit. I just want to say it's the commercial. Let me get where that shit at, man. Here it is. Boo, 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 boo. Do, 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 do. Most of the city's business. All right, most of the city's business. All right, all right, there it is. The state's general parliaments meets in the Knights Hall, and the government departments and foreign embassies occupy other buildings in the old quarter of the city. Most of the city's businesses, firms are engaged in trade, banking, insurance, and other services. Several large oil companies also have their international headquarters in the city. The Hague is also a leading center for inter, inter, international conferences. City's industries including printing and publishing, electronics, food processing, and a production of ceramics, furniture, glass, and various luxury consumer items. All right. And then um, I just want to point that out, the Hague, man. So the Hague is all that crack of the Dutch, the lower countries. You see what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Frenchies, fucking, that's all of them crackers, man. You know what I mean? That's all it is, man. You know what I'm saying? So and, and Mr. Farted Jew, as Brother Minkara uh, dropped tonight. I say. I say. And, um, that's the new headquarters. All right? All right? They can be Hague, the Hague Convention. It was held there in 1899 and 1907. You know what I'm saying? And, um, yeah, all the big wigs meet at the Knights Hall. Remember, we went over that Mason shit earlier this week. So tying all that in, you know what I mean, to um, tie the shoe up and, um, you know, and the family should be off and running on this subject, you know what I mean? Just lace the shoes up right there with that. Uh, check it, the Hague, the Merovicians, um, the Franks, the Gauls, you know, and you get into the origins of the motherfucking Beckerwood, the Frenchies, and the, and the Dutch and all that, you know what I mean? And the Romans and all that shit. But anyway, I, Black Power won that family. I found it. Y'all want to hear this shit right here, man? I well, say, like, and, and hit, I say. hit us with the link in the hangout, too. Okay. This this right here is a clip. This is the claw. He didn't got the French. The, he didn't got the world's best French assassin on. He like, Brother Little, what are talking about? He got the Jiggernaut. The Jiggernaut is uh, an American. He, where he represents the dumb, the dumb brute strip of America. And they like... What's up? And they walking in African savannah, and they're like, "My nigga, tell me about this uh, Black Panther nigga. Uh, tell me about the operation. How, well, why are you so obsessed with this shit?" And he finna give you this. He gonna tell you the the, the history he got with the first Black Panther. Pick this shit out. He's a Dutch Calvinist. Brother, brother, before you go there, remember now one of the groups that was down with Calvinism in the French uh, wars of religion were called the Huguenots. Now, if we put the J, because remember, it wasn't no uh, J then. We got the same name, kind of, don't we? Black Power. Black Power. Damn. Oh, yeah. So here we go right here. Here we go. How's it going in there, Igor? That's the Russian. We can't send someone into fix it now. Radiation levels are too high. 
Why do we have to leave immediately, Father? You said we could go skiing. Now, this is why we have to leave. The children grow more insolent with each breath of European air. I knew the glass was bulletproof, but that didn't worry me. The armor-piercing shell would blow right through that. What I didn't know was that his security had applied a micron-thin layer of vibranium over the glass. It absorbed the boring vibrations enough to stop the shot. We had seconds to recover before we lost the window of opportunity entirely. Time for plan B. I had been waiting beneath the floorboards for a week. I was getting $10 million to kill someone I do for free. There was no way I would fail. Obviously, the point of an entrance like that is to create as much chaos as possible to keep an edge against an opponent this dangerous. I got lucky right off the bat. When that piece of debris took out the second in line to the throne, it's, well, it really distracted the panther. Killing the entire family wasn't part of the commission, but throwing in those little extras can really endear you to an employer. Then came the most dangerous moment, right before the kill, when both sides are vulnerable. It was so fast I wasn't sure if those extra seconds I bought would be enough. I don't know where the claws came from. In his robes? I thought he only had them in his panther gear. Anyway, he was slashing my face, and I was about to lose an eye. He had blocked one gun. But the other one was right in position. Mission completed. Now the trick was to stay alive. I had the option of really cleaning up this situation. The kid shot me with my own gun. Can you believe it? I knew I had to get out of there before defeat was snatched from the jaws of victory. The kid was a good enough shot to make jumping out of a seventh floor window the better option. Especially when you've got a... Y'all heard that? Well, the daddy got killed. He picked up the gun. This is a fucking comic book, y'all. But it's used on real African events. He said he picked up the gun and started busting on it. The kid was such a good shot. He made jumping out a seven-story window a better option. <laughs> Yeah, y'all need to check this shit out because he had to bring, he got America, he got the Russian bringing radiation, the French bringing his espionage, he got the the Dutch Afrikaner, then he brings the motherfucking church in, and when the church comes in, let me see if I can find this scene, this is funny as a motherfucker, he said he he, he always needed to bring salvation to Africa. Yeah. But then you had to like the Calvinists who came in. Remember during a point in time when they showed them just um coming in and they was telling them to leave and when me and they tried to shoot the cannon off at them. 
Did y'all hear how, the, how, he, how, how he was putting that cracker in his place? <laughs> Who said you can call me by my first name? He said, oh, T'Challa, I've never seen a socialist with a crown on before. See, they don't understand African politics. Never have and never will. As Chester Williams put in Destruction of Black Civilization, we had a system that had both, it had the three elements. It had a monarchy, it had socialism, and it had democracy, all wrapped up into one before the three words even came out, before the three words were even invented. Studying the broad before his eyes went bad. He, even though he charted over 150 different languages, he said that he noted that there was a uniformity in terms of how government that ran a, a form where Europeans were called primitive democracy before the word even came out. And Dr. Clark took that and, and, and really went in on it in terms of defining, defining it in that uh, African mind. You know what I'm saying? But. Chances of killing the black man. I'm trying to find this scene right here. Play that shit again. That's, that's speaking to the state of America right now. Um, Y'all could have came to the same conclusions, but it's too much money to be made off, 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 off misery. You know what I'm saying? That's the European's perspective on anything. That's why they'll never be able to produce a dynasty. Third world countries aren't normally invited to real meetings like this. That's what the UN is for. A place for the powerless to whine about the white man. But they invited Wakanda to the big boys' table because everyone wanted a crack at their resources. Untouched petroleum deposits, medical cures unknown in the Western world, and vibranium, the rarest, most valuable mineral on Earth. Your Majesty, we'll pay whatever price you set for your goods. They are not for sale until the spiritual advancement of the West catches up to the technological prowess. It would be irresponsible to share our scientific discoveries with you. Are you calling everyone here irresponsible children? No. Or like sullen teenagers who feel more mature than their behavior warrants. The fact that every conversation here is framed in terms of profit and power says it all. You could have made half these breakthroughs yourself. But there's too much money to be made in misery. Why cure a disease when people pay for medicine? Why provide cheap energy? Yeah, we when... get the point, Tachaka. <laughs> I've never met a socialist with a crown on his head before, but I guess there is a first time for everything. Who gave you permission to use my first name? I, I am sorry. I did not mean to offend. I understand your frustration in dealing with a black man who can't be bought with a truck full of guns, a plane full of blondes, and a swift bank account. But please, hold on to what little class you have. Your Majesty, I truly apologize. This meeting is over. How you deal with crackers? Heard that they even pointed out uh, 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 that black man who can't be bought with a, a Swiss bank account, a, a plane full of blondes. You heard that? <laughs> That's how. 
and a whole bunch of guns. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing about, you know, you're saying the black guys, and one thing about the Panther is that he didn't just, you didn't just become the Panther. This was something that was earned through your skill level. You don't just, it wasn't like you just became that. Uh, you know, that wasn't passed down, even though it was in the mannerism. But it was you had to fight for, for it. Yeah, and if you got your ass whooped, whoever beats you became the Panther. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's more than just something where you just automatically became it. You didn't just automatically get it. See, that, that's African right there. Only thing that's going to take on another line is what? A line is another line. You know, I'm sorry. I already answered my own damn question. There you go. You know what I mean? That's the only threat. Only threat for the black man is another black man. Other than that, ain't no threat. Nowhere. Hmm. They just pray ready to be slayed, man. And what the lions do? Gotta follow the buffalo. Gotta know what the buffalo doing. You gotta watch the food now. Mm-hmm. You gotta know. You gotta know what your food like and don't like. That's how you set the trap and hunt for. Them. You can wait right there. I know they coming to this bush. They love this shit. And I'm awake right here. Right up when they ain't gonna smell me, they ain't gonna know nothing. See? You know, you gotta know, gotta know these things. You know what I'm saying? Stay close to the buffalo, black power. Only if you're gonna kill the motherfucker, though. Not if you're gonna be licking on the nigga, man. Fuck around and get your ass poked with one of them horns, though. That's all we was doing today, man. Shocker style, man. Following the buffalo, man. You know? That's what the leopard do. The leopard follow the buffalo, man. Follow the prey. You know, single them out, then knock them off. That's how you form that new horn. Yeah, exactly. that buffalo horn, you know? Strong in the middle. Flank on the side. And then keep a little bit in the body, holding on, waiting to, you know, just on the weight up, just in case you need them to come on in. You know, the interesting thing that I've seen about that was that he had the warriors who was waiting not be looking at the battle. So they wouldn't just get antsy and jump into it, but would only come into the train only on command. So you know how it is. You see your people, it looked like they losing. You might want to jump in early. Yeah, that discipline. But see, Shaka showed he had to be a skilled hunter to know about the about your prey, about the buffalo. You saw all them buffalo horns up there and shit. You know what I mean? They they didn't get there with no cracker no cracker rifle now. You know, you saw you saw what they had to do to become a man. They had to go in the jungle. What what Doctor Clark say uh, for three days? It was a three days journey. Shaka came back at six. 
Meaning, meaning he found this shit on the first day. And uh, in terms of fighting being African, Dr. Clark uh, shares how when his mother had went back to her people, um, and Shaka was growing into early manhood, you know, she's seeking friends for him, and when he refused to fight, she tells him and explains to him that there is no other way to survive except for fighting. I say, not only that, Shaka had opponents. He said Swazis, right? Swazis was a, a, a very formidable opponent for him, right? See? So, they said they learned how to fight somehow. I come looking out. What? I thought I was speaking and it broke up. Yeah, I heard that too. And, you know, well, until they come back, just want to remind the family that Shaka's mother's, um, group that she came from, the was were a powerful uh, group within themselves, or, 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 and I'm going to say in terms of warfare, because the Zulus were, for lack of a better word, a colony of theirs. You know, ruled by a, a king uh, by the name of Joe Bay. So, you know, that that's that just shows that he came from a bloodline of uh, fighters on both sides. He was just made warriors. Made the fight. Yeah, um, she's a very interesting um, person as well. She deserves um, some studying and her due respect as well, man. The great elephant. Ashe. I mean, she helped establish a friendship between her son and the son of the King Jobe. Dennis Awayo, and that's Dennis Awayo who came back after watching the Cracker Beast, saw how they ran in a straight line, you know, um, when they was battling each other, which made them easy um, to attack, to hit, 
and came up with the concept um, of the uh, broken uh, steel running formation, which is still used today. Nagar Naganda, the strongman leader in Butu, would certainly take advantage of any opportunity to overthrow the Wakandan government. We're about to launch on invasion. Yeah, the Naganda you know, army. have to go over the whole. Uh, you know, just, just, just to, you know, just, just the progression. We move in the south. You know, we're moving to the eastern, the lower eastern half of Africa. You know, we we've taken time going over the uh, northern eastern. In depth, you know. I uh, hope, hopefully, by now everybody is uh, has a thorough under, uh, not a thorough understanding, but a very uh, in depth understanding of northern East Africa, or let's say um, the Nile Valley. So you know, it's only natural to look into the southern eastern part. And the migration patterns of Africans all the way over to the western um, half of Africa. And do get that. And do uh, if you can go on YouTube, you can get that video, the um, the Black Panther. Um, I I got it for my children and as Brother Mikarai. Uh, and but a little more expressing it's an uh, uh, excellent, it's an excellent uh, cartoon, and, and and one thing that it does give is just gives that natural, it gives that African spirit of strength, um, know how, shows that shows the African being just ingenious, you know, and um, it shows us the. Reasons for being separate, separation, understanding of, um, you know, that you don't have to be uncompromising even in situations where it seems like you might need to call on others that you can, that you could accomplish your will through your own people and through your own know-how and wit. You know what I mean? So I, I definitely recommend it for anybody who, anybody who just, um, one, you know, anybody with children, especially anybody wanting just to get a little grasp of African politics and the mannerism that we should be dealing with these with these beasts. See that. Interesting thing about the panther inside the comic book world, though, is that he's the only he's the reason Tony Stark has um, any power because he gave him the the medal. For his, um, not only did he supply Captain America his shield, but supplied Tony Stark's with the medal for his uh, Iron Man suit. Mm-hmm. They played nice. Mm-hmm. You crack a zoo, they'll come and do anything to get that shit. 
And once they get it, mm. everything involved. And then he said, see, the word went around the street, and the cracker was like, shit, I need to go over here and go get my shit there. Mm-hmm. You see? And then here come the Dutch. Here come the Calvinists. See? All up in Zulu land. Landed in Port Natal. Uh, mm-hmm. greedy, fucking dirty, diseased, filthy, fucking cracker beast paws out. They don't got hands. They got paws. And claws. <laughs> you know what I mean? See? With their claws out. What's that nigga called, Baker Rod? Claw? See? You know? And that, that, ain't, ain't Black Panther Stan Lee, Baker Rod? Yeah, that's Marvel. Yeah, that's a Marvel comic. That's Marvel, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, one of the few truths that uh, <clears throat> was in the TV series that I appreciated was showing how uh, the religions of perversion, Christianity, was foreign to our people. And that shocker turned and flipped it on. Yeah, yeah. You didn't see a whole bunch of cracker beast crosses up and shit. Again, I like how the I like how the um the shaman was uh in the yeah, the shaman always had influence. They never I think was it the name I don't think that was the nameless one, but they don't they, they have a name. That show you too, like the power of uh uh the twa didn't even they didn't name the elder. They said, Man, we don't listen, that's the nameless one. You know what I'm saying? We don't know. That motherfucker been here since we been here, nigga and before. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you see how old the shaman was? You don't get that old. But, nigga, she wasn't no regular age like that. That's some old age. That's where the Bible gets them astronomical ages from. Black power. Black power. How the fuck, how the fuck you get the power to put another nigga's spirit in, in, in the blade? Listen, man. The nameless one. So we go around dropping names on shit. That's what showed me. Like, see? You might trap them in the paradigm, dropping the name on But one of the things that you just said about the um about that age is that I was reading where they were saying that a lot of Africans, when they were bringing them over, who were getting captured, that they were already well over 70 years old, 80 years old, but because the Caucasian was aged so quickly that he was looking at these Africans and thinking that they were, you know, 30, 25, you know, 30 years old because that's how physically fit they were at their age. Once I find that information, I can hit everybody with it. I mean, I say, yeah, you gotta watch that because you see the elders, like, like, like the the, the prime minister, what, what my brother name, and Gome, 
And Gomez was old as fuck. You know, but not the same Gomez. The one that um, the one that Shaka Mugabe Kiri became. Not Look the one that Shaka Kiri. What, what was his name? The one Shaka Kiri when he became when he came to the throne. There. That uh-huh. old. Old brother, right there. He, he he didn't even he couldn't even match the um the uh the the nameless um no one. She was no, look, uh, look look at look at look at where we can just look right into uh, Zimbabwe and look at Mugabe. Eighty nine. Look at him. Eighty nine years old. we can we can look at the elder and see he eighty nine years old, back straight. I don't know if he's using just for men or not. Word. But, Word. You know what I, mean? I don't know if he's using just for men or not, but he got a little orange on it, so it looks like it might be gray a little bit, but it ain't going all the way. I don't know, but he's definitely still looking General Sharp at 89. And he still got multiple wives he's taking care of. You feel me? Yeah, still getting this thing in action. So you can see that you we can see that in modern time we can just see that for our own selves. Hmm. Look at Cicely Tyson. Okay. Huh. I say, uh, Mr. Pittman, man. Look at Cicely Tyson, man. Say. That's, uh, that's the greatest film she played in ever to me, man. Mr. Pittman, what? Dr. Clark speaks of an uh, ancestor by the name of um, Mimboza. Mimboza was picked to be Shaka's warlord after his first one had bounced for 15,000 men, after they had got permission from the elders. And Dr. Clark said he's seen a picture of him at 74 and that he was frightened, <laughs> okay? That's how these he looked. No gray hairs, no wrinkles, no nothing. Look, look at the elder Wahid. We just looked at him, 71 years old. Now, we've seen him as he was beaten up. Now, you go look at some of his pictures at 70 years old, and he got dreads, and dreads not the type of thing you can just color over and over. His dress ain't even all the way gray at 70 years. He's still got a lot of black up in there, and he's still looking fit physically. I'm still looking fit. Anybody that's scared of niggas. I'm standing out there. Well, brother, um, Daruba, <laughs> his body's still built at 71, right? Yeah, at 71, where he... Where he could be intimidating. At 70 where he was, he could intimidate a young 30 year old lion. Well, they had to jump him. I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, he could intimidate a 30 year old, 40 year old. He could be intimidating. Because the other brother he was with Kalaji, hey, but that's so big. I want to let it just be so. That's the type of nigga. You just you, you remember how you hold a nigga on top of the head and they be swinging. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
not to laugh at my brother, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, you know, yeah, man, so that Zulu shit is real, man. You know, Paula Shaka, you know, uh, set the set the tone, set the bridge, if you will, for this cracker to get over on oh, motherfuckers, man. You know what I mean? That was that was that was the end of the deal right there. End of the deal right there. You know, like probably like like Shaka said, like the like the prophet honorable Shaka motherfucking said, man. You know. God damn, Christians, you can't even worship a true prophet like Shaka? Damn. You know, um, yeah, that's what I, I want. You know, but I think Shaka uh, and Zulu shit, and that's the spirit we need to be up on. You know what I mean? Uh, Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, um, yeah. There's one more, man. You know it's one time. So, so you know, we're going to go to the war. It's just you about to re- re- on how we're going to do this shit. So this is the reason why we got to go back and look at this, the, um, these war stories. Stories of, of all our winners, you know. Stories of triumph and also the stories of loss to see what what we should not do and what we should be doing. Uh, say, uh, say. And, and, and just to put the spirit spirit of aggression out there, put that right spirit out there, you know. Oh man, sound like the police zone, man. What's going on, man? We got like several different conversations in one. What's that? We got that going on while in the background. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Right now. We'll be closing down a little bit, but then we don't want to you close us out with that shit. Men to uphold uh, or to um, revere their women, and 
African women to revere their men, um, the Swazi group that um, shock of face as he was um, uh, moving further south, uh, and the only group uh, that he, you know, uh, declared a stalemate and spared them. I mean, if he wanted to get open on them, it wasn't going to be a problem. Um, but, you know, their technique was ambush, and, and they were more of a pestilence. And because they were relenting, unrelenting, you know, he he kind of respe- he respected that. But I bring that up to say that the Swazi um, had a woman ruler. So, again, it goes to show that these two existences, a patriarchal society and a matrilineal one, could exist, coexist because they both had that same component of having respect for the African woman. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. They still coexist to today. Up until today, you can see the Swazi and the Zulus still do ceremonial um, type of um, things together on a regular. So it's like how Mickey Rock broke down earlier. They, they label it uh, uh, matrilineal and patriarchal because they don't see the, the whole picture. They don't. Do, they don't operate on the whole body. They they they, they work on individual parts. So so they, so that show you right there. They're incapable of putting they putting together the pieces of the puzzle. They gonna get your ass to put together the pieces of the puzzle for them. Now you know one thing that I did find interesting. That I'm having looking for how many different languages are labeled Bantu. Did you say Bantu? Yeah, Bantu. Oh, Bantu, okay. Yeah, uh, how many different groups are labeled as Bantu people? Because it's a language, but it's used as an ethnicity, like in some, uh, something like that. It seems to me like they use it like a nationality or something. But it's actually a language, like how they say you know, the Hebrew people, even though that's a that's a language. They make it a people also. Yeah, I don't know, Jimmy. Yeah. I, never, I, ain't, I ain't thought about it. I never... uh, I heard Brother Makarov bring that point up about the dancing speaking people before. But I just really want to take and see exactly how many tribes are labeled Bantu or Bantu speaking. Because this is this is how a lot of what we call metanesias has had to be translated through this through this language. Uh, well, listen, a nigga done told me today that goddamn the metanetu. Metanetta was broke down and read. It had the motherfucking Rothschild name in it. You see? Oh yeah, I was saying. Ask my brother, hey, Rue, he could co Hold up, hold up, hold up. At the Rothschild's what? 
and got their name in it. The nigga dissect. They deciphered the meta nature, right? Yeah, uh, nigga, Rothschild name was in it. Rothschild. Yeah, but the same dude that said that also claimed that he's a Dravidian and that he's a descendant of, of Vladimir the Impaler and that <laughs> they stole his name and his lineage and he's going to go and try to sue. What do you say? He going to sue the Brits and, and the royal families for using yeah, his yeah, name. Hold up, man. And hold the man. only thing I can do... Hold up, hold up. The only thing I can do is look at the brother. And in my mind, I'm saying to myself that I have some way out conversations with people today, too, is that if you believe this shit, I can't argue with you on your belief. But I can see how fucking crazy you are tracing an identity to make yourself feel like you exist in the world that's outside of Africa. And that's the point where you need to heal yourself. That was the only thing I could say to myself if you kept talking to me, you know? Because at some point in time, you lost your mind. God damn. The old man fuck. got pissed off at me today because fucking I didn't believe in the, in the 12 tribes of Israel and I told him Jesus is a created creature that doesn't exist. He got pissed off at me. I said, this is the end of my conversation with you and rolled off. Hmm. <laughs> I just looked at him wild, yo. But before that, he's going to tell me, he's going to tell me, he say, yo, he say, why don't y'all get the gangbangers to stop begging on each other and just embrace black power? I told him, if you look around you, it's already happening. What do you think all this is for? But I said, you got to realize something. It's something bigger that got us against each other, bigger than gangbanging. It's called religion. The religion has took more lives than gangbanging has ever done within the history of its origin. And I said also the fact that people need to identify themselves because they need some type of identity because we've been lost and, and, and had our memories erased of who we are. So now it's easily for you to get caught up in trying to find yourself somehow. So I said, you got to fix that first. You got pissed off. And, you know, I told him, before you entered the conversation with me, I told you, you have beliefs and I don't. I said, I'm not going to argue with you, your belief. You believe what you want to believe. That don't make it true. That's right. Well, uh, I mean, you know, we do, um, I like to say before we pull down, I like to get a, a tally from the family on the conversation tonight. Uh, there's a lot of family in here listening, man. Tonight, give me a thing, game. So, you know, uh, before we close out, if you'd like to uh, leave a couple words in before we leave. Uh, yeah, yeah, let me uh, give us uh, uh, tomorrow. You know what I mean? Twelve o'clock, Pasadena, Cali. You know what I mean? To keep the line um center. Um, I try to get the address for you in a second. You know what I'm saying, brother Seti? You know what I mean? So come on through. It's gonna be a nice little powerful uh presentation for you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, it's gonna be ten bucks up the door. You know what I mean? And um, bring some bring some extra loot. Get some nice little t-shirts and shit. You know what I'm saying? And uh, watch the general get it in, man. You about to do some new new. That brand new shit that is. 
Uh, Brother Vahe Ro, what did it end? What we read about? First of all, I want to give a, a black power salute to the general, to the general city, Brother Tianchi, Brother Colleen Reed from Kinetic Clothing, and the whole KMT uh, clothing staff that was out there today. We want to thank all the family for coming out. And supporting the general today, a little mother part. I want to give a shout out to the Black Liberation Riders for showing up and sending out the mother part today. And everybody that came out and kept it all garvey and support of us being family first, being race first, being African first, and putting all the uh, differences and ideologies aside and to be able to kick off a real BTC weekend. Uh, without filling it up for the entertainment and bug dancing and uh, filling the venue up for the enemies and agents and saying that we're family to just some pure, just African peckers, peckers, big fucking peckers, big fucking peckers in Yakuda, big fucking peckers. Stupid ass Tamahu, get the fuck up out of here. This is a no Tamahu zone. We ain't got no time for your dumbass cracker rants. I got him, I got him. I got him here, bro. Go ahead. I got him here, bro. Go ahead, fucker. And I got him. He's out of here. Go ahead, go ahead, bro. Anyway, family had a good time. Look forward for part two. Getting it in, holding down the family, holding down the front line, making sure family is safe and that everything pops off in the true African way. When a soldier general stands up and, and, and comes into town, a true soldier joins in formation and protects the general. That's going to be my final words. So I'm black love, black power. I'm good myself and tired, so I'm going to try to get some rest, family. Like power, yo, real quick on that address, uh, it's at one four three five North Raymond Ave. Nigger, nigger, nigger. Shut your ass up. Listen here, punk ass cracker. Show up to this event tomorrow so I can whoop your ass at one four three five North Raymond Avenue. 9113 Pasadena, California, motherfucker. 1435 North Raymond Ave. 91103 Pasadena, California, motherfucker. Black Power. Black Power. Black Power. Please come get some, Cracker. Please. You know, the freaks come out, you know what I'm saying, later again on Saturday, you know what I mean? Oh, hey, hey, it's no fly zone, but I want him to see if he can fly around this zone. No. Uh, Sister Camille, you want to go ahead and uh, get your clothes out and have Brother Nick around and our clothes out and uh, get all up out of here for tonight? Um, I don't want to, I was going to share something that Dr. Clark, um, expressed about the assessment of our men, but uh, with the cracker beast on the line, um, I'll save that for another time. I'd just like to um, share where Dr. Clark um, 
shows uh, that Shaka, in his best years, uh, he was able to accomplish his mission, and that was to hold the Cracker Beast to the coast, to not let them come inland. The Cracker Beast could not come inland without Shaka's permission. And when uh, certain Zulu ceremonies took place, he did not give them permission at all. Shaka was the master. And he had lived, had he had lived and not been assassinated, according to Dr. Clark's assessment, there would have been uh, no uh, boars, no uh, cracker beasts, filthy Dutch, or British uh, to form what is uh, known as a South African situation because um, there would have been none. A shocker would have uh, not allowed it, and they would have been controlled by Africans as they were during Shaka's time. By Powell. By Powell. By Powell. Brother Makara. Oh, family, I forgot to end with my uh, mantra, as Dr. Clark has preached that we should have, death to all savage cracker beasts and death to this racist cracker beast society. Black power be before the end. Black power be before the end. I'm about to make a ride. Let me get a situation right now. But uh, I saw our clothes going out. You know, to come on out on Tuesday. Come see us on uh, Tuesday. We'll be here 10 p.m. Doing news, news, and more news. Um, wonderful show. Thanks to the uh, family. They can really give a deep respect to Brother Little for making us a committee for valuable information given to the uh to our listeners tonight. Uh something that is uh is sorely needed and we will keep the the uh the continuity of rhetoric here strong. We make sure that we put this rhetoric out properly have proper reassessment of history, placing it in the African perspective. So we definitely thank everybody for coming out. This has been Slaughterhouse Saturday. Just assess uh, Shaka, Zulu, the history of the Zulus and a minor piece. And we will go in on some of the other groups that comprise the uh, confederation now known as the Zulus are are, uh, put together as the Zulus upon the Shaka Zulu that still exists up to today. But with that being said, thank y'all again for coming out on Slaughterhouse Saturday. We'd like to end out like we come in with the praises to the ancestors, which is praise Nat Turner. 
Glory to God, be long live the spirit of Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad. Praise Harriet Tubman. Glory to Ida B. Wells, along with the spirit of Sister Fanny Luhama of B. Vaudier. Cracker in the trunk. Two crackers in the trunk. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.